mask is a muzzle Only the strong will survive in this struggle If you ain't seen the bigger picture yet Then you're just lost in the puzzle Literally got you living in a bubble The only virus in our lives is these liars and these tyrants That are trying to deny us of our rights And conspiring to annihilate the righteous The sheep can be silenced but they could never quiet The lions were rising The veil has been lifted Consciousness has shifted to a higher wisdom And we ain't gonna be victims of this system We won't be prisoners, this is the resistance Welcome to the Resistance Rebel Leaders Sit back, relax and enjoy the show Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. I'm Sam. I am. Welcome to the Lifeboats live stream. Okay, I've spent the week really kind of digging in a little bit and trying to wrap my head around this whole thing with amyloids, amyloidosis, prions, prions, whichever way you want to say it. Um, And the kind of picture it paints. And at the same time, this is exactly what uh, Walter Chestnut has been doing. I've been reading a lot of his, the studies he's referencing and his uh, Substack article. We're going to review that tonight. Jessica Rose has chimed in with, yeah, you know, kind of building on what Walter's looking at to look at the uh, Harpin um, binding and what kind of symptoms might be arising out of that. We've got some vaccine injuries that we're going to look at. I think we're moving into this. Um, troubling phase, I guess is the easiest way to say it. I, I was a little bit spooked by what I saw and now having a better understanding of the process that's going on, not just in the vaccinated, but to a lesser degree, I think in the people who've just been exposed to COVID And so it's a pretty sobering picture and show that we've got to do tonight. But uh, I do want to jump in uh, here with the professor of, uh, he's the head of, uh, oh gosh, immunology and um, biology, I believe it is. And at the Tel Aviv University, microbiology, sorry. At the Tel Aviv University, this is Professor Quimeron if I'm probably saying that wrong, but uh, he wrote a pretty scathing rebuke of the Israeli public health policy. And I posted this, it went uh, viral on Twitter. And I want to read this to you because it's an important body of work. You know, it's really an all encompassing, here's what's happening with COVID and what was done in Israel. And the same is true where you are, most likely. Says Ministry of Health, it's time to admit failure. In the end, the truth will always be revealed and the truth about the coronavirus policy is beginning to be revealed. When the destructive concepts collapse one by one, there is nothing left but to tell the experts who led the management of the pandemic, we told you so. Two years late, you finally realize that a respiratory virus cannot be defeated and that any such attempt to do, is doomed to fail. 
You do not admit it yet because you have admitted almost no mistake in the last two years. But in retrospect, it's clear that you have failed miserably in almost all of your actions. And even the media is already having a hard time covering your shame. You refuse to admit that the infection comes in waves that fade by themselves. Despite years of observation of scientific knowledge, you know, natural immunity building in the population, you insisted on attributing every declining of a wave solely to your actions and through false propaganda, quote, you overcame the plague, end quote. And again, you defeated it and again and again and again. You refuse to admit that mass testing is ineffective despite your own contingency plans explicitly stating so, and this goes back to a 2007 document that he's referencing. You refuse to admit that recovery is more protective than a vaccine, despite previous knowledge and observations showing that non-recovered vaccinated people are more likely to be infected than recovered people. You get the shot before you have the disease, less likely to build antibodies for it. Remember those studies? You refuse to admit that the vaccines are contagious despite uh, the observations. He's talking about viral shedding right there. Based on this, you hope to achieve herd immunity by vaccination, and you failed in that as well. You insisted on ignoring the fact that the disease is dozens of times more dangerous for risk groups and older adults than for young people who are not in risk groups, despite the knowledge that came from China as early as 2020. You refused to adopt the Barrington Declaration signed by more than 60,000 scientists and medical professionals and other common sense programs. You chose to ridicule, slander, distort, and discredit them. Instead of the right programs and people, you have chosen professionals who lack relevant training for pandemic management, physicists as chief government advisors, veterinarians, security officers, media personnel, and so on. You have not set up an effective system for reporting side effects from the vaccines and report on side effects that have even been deleted from your Facebook page. Doctors avoid linking side effects to the vaccine lest you persecute them as you did with some of their colleagues. You have ignored many reports of changes in menstrual intensity and menstrual cycle times. You hid data that allows for objective and proper research. For example, you removed the data on passengers at Ben Gurion Airport. Instead, you chose to publish non-objective articles together with senior Pfizer executives on the effectiveness and safety of the vaccines. Irreversible damage to trust. However, from the highlights of your hubris, you have also ignored the fact that, in the end, the truth will be revealed. And it begins to be revealed. The truth is that you have brought the public's trust to you in an unprecedented low, and you have eroded your status as a source of authority. The truth is that you have burned hundreds of billions of shrekels to no avail for publishing intimidation for effective tests or ineffective tests, for destructive lockdowns, and for dis disrupting the routine of life in the last two years. You have destroyed the education of our children and their future. You have made children feel guilty, scared, smoke, drink, get addicted, drop out, and quarrel as school principals around the country attest. You have harmed livelihoods, the economy, human rights, mental health, and physical health. You slandered colleagues who did not surrender to you. You turned the people against each other, divided society, and polarized the discourse.
You branded without any scientific basis people who chose not to get vaccinated as enemies of the public and spreaders of disease. You promote in an unprecedented way a draconian policy of discrimination, denial of rights, and selection of people, including children, for their medical choice. A selection that lacks any epidemiological justification. When you compare the destructive policies you are pursuing with the same policies of some other countries, you can clearly see that the destruction you have caused has only added victims beyond the vulnerable to the virus. The economy you ruined, the unemployment you caused, and the children whose education you destroyed, they are the surplus victims as a result of your own actions only. There is currently no medical emergency, but you have been cultivating such a condition for two years now because of lust for power, budgets, and control. The only emergency now is that you still set policies and hold huge budgets for propaganda and psychological engineering instead of directing them to strengthen the healthcare system. This emergency must stop. As Professor Udi Quimaron facilities of uh, medicine or faculty of medicine tel aviv university and you know the interesting part is that this was written back in january of this year this is months old it's been proven to be more correct over time and yet israel is still barreling ahead approving this shot for younger and younger age groups for small children just like they've done in the u.s And the simple fact is, this is not something that's isolated to Israel or the U.S. It's happening in Australia, New Zealand, the United Kingdom, all over the world where they're pushing these shots. And it just shows how corruptible governments have become, how susceptible they've become to the controls of these globalist organizations that they have been led to mass murder their populations because that's exactly what's happening. That's the data that we're going to go through tonight. And it's, it's pretty sobering to say the least here. Okay. Let me see. Here's a, a comment that was put in here, just kind of in tune with what, what we just read there. I'm a paramedic in the greater Atlanta area. I wish they would use our EMS 9-11 data like Israel did. We are seeing the exact same scenario here with one difference. Cardiac-related calls are overwhelmingly young males, 18 to 30, typical early morning scene. We arrive at a suburban home only to find the entire family in severe emotional distress. This is what we hear. Save my baby, please. Over and over, we find these young men still in their beds, deceased. Most appear to be sudden cardiac deaths. We are obligated to ask, was he recently vaccinated? To which the reply is always yes. I was an army medic, 68 whiskey, yet I've never seen such carnage as we're currently experiencing. The Israeli study is the strongest signal in the data I've seen yet. For God's sakes, stop the shots. What else happened this week? Well, the CEO of Xerox, he died from complications from an undisclosed illness. Of course, he forced the shots on all his people. It's that awkward moment now amongst the employees. 
when they thought they worked for for Xerox and they realized, nope, this is Jonestown and you guys just drank the Kool-Aid. Here's a famous uh, gamer, uh, Minecraft YouTuber. Over a million uh, subscribers. It may have been tens of millions. I don't even remember. And, uh, well, what happened to him? Beloved Minecraft streamer and content creator Technoblade passed away at the age of 23 from cancer nearly a year after announcing his diagnosis. So, once again, fast-acting rare cancer affecting a 23-year-old. They don't usually get cancer, folks. He's definitely vaccinated, told his audience to get vaccinated. They thought they were watching a cool YouTuber play video games. Turns out, no, it was Jonestown and they drank the Kool-Aid. The people who listened to him anyway. Because what do we know? The lipid nanocomplex, the mRNA, gets into these cells, produces the spike, downregulates the immune system, affects toll-like receptors, Three and four are the two that uh, do the cancer detection. It's basically switching those off so that nine times out of 10, when they're going around sniffing for cancer, when they come across it, they won't be able to see it, which means your body really can't fight back against it because it's not even being alerted that it's cancer in the first place. And so the cancer is free to ravage the body. And that's what we're seeing over and over again is these rare, fast-acting cancers that kill the patients before they can, you know, really come up with a treatment, get them through treatment. Here's a guy, his, um, his mom was in hospice, died. He wanted to do a, a race, a bike race to raise money for the hospice, set it to like, I think 500 pounds, blew past that, was super excited, set it to 1500 pounds, passed that, made it 2,500 pounds, he died a few miles from the finish line, heart attack. Here's a baby that was born uh, in the ICU. And basically, as soon as this child was, was born, they had to put it on life support because its heart wasn't pumping enough blood. I want you to read this update. Now, I don't know if the mom was vaccinated or when, what the status is, but we're going to look through some data tonight, and I think this is one of the better outcomes that a lot of these people might expect. Because a lot of babies, 10 to 20% increase in stillbirths is what we're going to see in country after country after country tonight. A lot of them don't make it this far. And sadly, I doubt this baby will live to see 10 Let me read you the update. Um, after a long talk with the cardiologist today, there are three immediate things that need to be resolved before they can discuss surgery for her heart any further. This is a newborn, folks. Heart surgery. Andy is still in cardiogenic shock. She has an infection in her belly. What do we know about COVID and it mutating and so forth? She is still in organ respiratory failure due to the lack of oxygen uh, to her body from the heart. She is fighting so hard. She continues to amaze with her strength. We have a fighter and she needs the love and prayers, all the love and prayers we can get. 
once she's stronger, we'll take the next step towards heart surgery. Hmm. Sad. Here's somebody else. These vaccines, Heather, um, Zone 8 Heather on Twitter, these vaccines have ended the lives of two family members. A third is in the ICU on a vent post-booster myocardial infraction. Lost an EMS buddy and a cardiologist I work with. Facebook feed is only death these days and not from COVID. How can these EU shots be pushed by well-educated people? Great question. Here's Nurse Sarah saying, Yesterday we treated a previously healthy 20-year-old on, from a massive heart attack. Got him stabilized in critical care unit, or cardiac care unit, sorry. Uh, just found out he coded in the middle of the night another heart attack and died. 20 years old, triple jabbed, so fucking tired of this, and I know it's only going to get worse. And she's right, unfortunately. Half the regulars in the gym have died from heart attacks over the past few months. I'm starting to wonder why it's been empty, but now I'm pained to know. All of them ranging from young to elderly, and all of them were some of the healthiest folks I knew. Stay safe and stay loved, y'all. Okay, looking at the birth rates. Well, actually, before we go there, let's jump over here. This is uh, the second smartest guy in the world on Substack. And he's put just a little brief summary update on the insurance payouts. So that's where the rubber meets the road. These insurance companies have to answer to shareholders. They have these insurance policies. They have to pay out when people die. There's no denying that people are dying at incredibly high above the normal levels. That's one of the things that we're going to look into tonight. Okay. And this is a nice quick little summary here. First, it was CEO Scott Davidson of One America who in January disclosed that deaths were up 40% among ages 18 to 64. That's the working population. They sell life insurance policies to people, to corporations, basically. This is from the article or from his uh, video. I think we watched that on the show and played it for you. We are seeing right now the highest death rates we have seen in the history of this business. Not just at One America, the data is consistent across every player in that business. We now have the CEO of Lincoln National, the fifth largest life insurance company in America, corroborating the 40% surge in all-cause mortality. These are one in a trillion year type of events. We talk about that uh, one sigma, two sigma, three sigma, one sigma is every 200 years, right? And we're at the 40% is at a three sigma. You could add the mortalities from World War One, World War Two, and still not get such increases in death. This is staggering. In 2021, Lincoln National reported a 163% increase in death benefits that were paid out under their group life insurance policies. So here's the graphic. You can see in 2019, it was half a uh, half a billion dollars, $500 million. Uh, in 2020, it was $548 million. That's a 9% increase. That was, you know, during the deadly pandemic where everybody was dying all around us, right? Except in 2021, it more than doubled to 1.4 billion, 163% increase. And, uh, well, 
it's not looking good for insurance companies, right? Because remember my insurance guy that reached out and filled me in that the policies that he was selling, they were putting a two-year hold on the payout. Why? Well, I think it's because of this right here. They know that this is unsustainable. They know that it's going to four or five X from here and that there's no way that they'll survive. So they've stopped the payouts so that when they're insolvent, they can hold up this list of liabilities and wave it to the government and say, we need a bailout or people are going to be left for dead in the streets. And of course they'll get one because that's easier than acknowledging the reality that the government has put, has created with these shots that these pharmaceutical cartels have created with these shots. The insurance companies are going to fail. They're going to, it's not going to survive this. There's no way most businesses are not going to survive this. We are going through, and this is one of the topics for later in the show, the collapse of globalism. And life is about to get a lot simpler in a lot of ways. And I think we're going to walk through that tonight. Okay. Here's the hungry data, and I'll blow that up right here. So what you're looking at um, in the country of Hungary, they've he's divided up. This is Igor that put this together. He went and found somebody that could translate the data and uh, get him the birth rates by county. So you've got all these little subgroups in Hungary. And he also got the vaccination rate. Now, that's the little black number. You probably can't see it, but most of them hover right around 50%. Some of them are, you know, there's a 55, there's a 51, there's a 49, uh, 56, 57 looks like one of the highest. So what he did is he went through and, uh, you know, there's not a lot of variance in the vaccination rate but there definitely is in the birth rate. So he took the highest five and the lowest five vaccination counties in Hungary. And he compared them and put that together right here. And what they're seeing, well, the most vaccinated countries in Hungary have the worst drop in birth rates in 2022. Unfortunately, as it presents only, um, a single moment, it's a snapshot. The data is a little bit noisy is what he's pointing out there. So it's not perfect. He didn't um, normalize it for population. You're welcome to do that if you want. Of course, he's reminding us that birth rates are seasonal. There's a very big pronounced bump in the summer that always comes and a lull in the winter. Um, But here's what it shows. At least five vaccinated counties, or in the the five least vaccinated counties, the birth rate declined by 4.66%. So these were the ones that were in the lower 40s. In the five most vaccinated counties, it declined 15.2%. That's a 10.5 point difference. It's a threefold increase. And, you know, most of those were in the higher, mid to high 50s. And it tripled the decline in the birth rate. The more vaccination, the greater the declines in the birth rate. And we looked at, I think it was uh, Jessica Rose's Substack article about that last week. What did it show? The more shots you get, the more death, the more disease, the more cases. It all correlates. These shots are toxic, poisonous bioweapons. They're cytopathic neurotoxins. They, they 
we're going to go into so much more of that of, as what they're actually doing once they get in your body and start moving around. And this is being seen all over the world. He's pointing out here, Sweden, they've seen a dramatic and steady decline to 10%, negative 10% this year. Taiwan, we're going to look at the chart for that. It's negative 23%. Germany, North Dakota, now we've got North Dakota is the only state we've got data for. Apparently the CDC is not keen on releasing this data for the U.S. right now. Can't imagine why. The U.K. and Switzerland, <clears throat> and they're all showing a 12 to 13% decline. These 2022 fertility drops are the true black swans of demographics. The big question of the day is, is this a temporary situation or will the declines be permanent? May lead to depopulation. I think that's exactly what we're in. But he's pointed out, I believe Igor, yeah, is pointing out we genuinely do not know yet. Uh, the time has not passed for us to know. And I kind of like, mm, I think we've got a pretty clear picture, but we can't say for certain. And he's saying, despite not knowing, we can start worrying right now. What we do know is that it disrupts the periods after vaccination in women. Uh, mostly temporary, and I've heard cases of both, but yeah, I would say so. Steady, the decline in sperm quality seems to be permanent with a minor rebound around six months. That was the study that we looked at last week. And that did not even consider booster doses because they hadn't been given to those guys yet, which again is going to make it even worse. And what do they do? They increase the booster dose, the volume that you get, which means more spikes, which means more damage. Vaccination uh, past July or, or so was extremely ex extensive, including uh, booster vaccination of young fertile people. So what he's pointing out right there is that, uh, you know, this was nine months post July, right? So these are the early, this is the leading edge of this wave in um, stillbirths in the decline in the birth rate. And it's going to get worse from here because there are a lot of people in the age group that is primed to have babies that uh, went out and got these and then kept getting them, got the booster doses. And so I think it's going to get a lot worse. And the, the tough question is, is it permanent? And I, I think there's a very good chance that it could be. And not only is it permanent, but it's something that could show up in future generations. Like your kids. You have kids. Your kids can't have kids. Because the spike gets produced in the embryo and kills it. This thing has six ways to Sunday to attack your body. It is absolutely a masterfully designed bioweapon. Triggers all the signs of aging. Triggers amyloidosis, cachexia, which is a wasting syndrome that you get with HIV. It's, it's tissue damage happening all over the body from the spike, from the amyloids, from the prions. And I'm going to break that down. So, But Jinky here, or Jicky here, is saying uh, he warned some time ago that limits for stillbirth were exceeded twice in Scotland in the last six months and was statistically huge red flag. We continue to be ignored in silence. Meanwhile, it gets worse. So here is the uh, Germany data. This is uh, Josh Getz now. Here's his thread I want to go through. Uh, 
with a peak of a 25% increase in December. That's this guy right there, the peak wave. And it, you know, it's still high now, way above normal. Here he's looking at uh, the German ex experience consistent with stillbirths and neonatal deaths in Scotland. And you can see here what he's got a chart of. The lines are the vaccinations. So you, or I'm sorry, the bar charts are the vaccinations. The lines are stillbirths, extended prenatal deaths, and neonatal deaths. And you can see when there's a new vaccine rollout, you get a, after that, you get a big peak in these deaths. And then it kind of drops back down. And then see this big blue bar right here? That was the booster shot. And then what happens? It starts climbing again, going way, way back up. It's all correlating, clear as day. Here's the declining birth rate in Germany. You can see they're not looking too good. Uh, declining fertility in most U.S. states. Now, this was interesting. It's showing you for April, and it's a heat map. So you can see January, it was green in some places, mostly yellow to where it's pretty neutral. But March, and especially April, it starts really turning red. New Mexico, it's negative 11%. Alaska, negative 12%. Uh, Oklahoma is negative 5%. Virginia, negative 12%. Hawaii, negative 9%. Rhode Island, negative 10 Louisiana, negative 11 North Dakota, negative 8 Montana, negative 4 West Virginia, negative 7 On and on. pretty troubling folks uh, also this table declining fertility in many countries around the world and here is the 23 percent decline in the taiwanese birth rate looks a lot like the graph from up above doesn't it you get this huge peak oh that's i don't want to go into all of that but it's happening all over the world and that's what you need to recognize and awaken to here that's what jicky's trying to do with this thread so he reached out to all the uk uh public health organizations the health security agency ons all claim they're all claiming that the stillbirth risk has been unaffected by the vaccination program they're like yeah everything's fine go get your shot pregnant women while suppressing the neonatal death risk and there's an open uh, records request or freedom of information act here and he's asking for numbers of registered UK registered stillbirths by month for the time period between January 2017 and January 2022. Uh, this should be accompanied by the relevant data for live births or total births for that time period to enable an accurate assessment of rates. So he's wanting, you know, give me the birth, birth and death rate of these babies. If monthly data is not available, then he suggests a shortened period. And they said, I can confirm that UK HSA does not hold the information you have specified. He knows the other agency has it, has shared it with them. They're lying. He can't get it from the other one because I think they're not a public uh, company. They're not part of the government, something like that. Uh, here's the original tweet regarding Scotland and the national mortality control limits. This uh, note that the skinny apps link below is difficult to find using search engines, but I'm sure that's just a coincidence. Of course it is, Jiggy. Come on now. <laughs> and this is where not only did it exceed the safety signal not once but twice in Scotland, 
like a three sigma event, or it's about a one in a thousand probability of events. And there's two of them this year. And by the way, see those little blue dots down there? Those are all above the baseline. So the trend that has been slowly declining is now increasing at an alarming rate. And this goes back to like Cliff High talking about his buddy, the actuary, they got a question about some boats. They had three of these big expensive boats sink in a short period of time. He did the crunch the numbers on it and said, nope, it can't happen. Something's up. Go investigate it. And they investigated it and found that it was fraud. The boat owners were being uh, were paying some money for somebody to sink the boat and they could claim the insurance and, uh, you know, get rich or, you know, get out from under the debt, essentially. Well, the same thing's happening here. What this data suggests is that there is no way that this is something that's just happening. There is a cause, okay? And that cause correlates with the rollout of these shots by age group. You know, I mean, we've, we've split that every which way as well. By income, by age group, by uh, all of it. It's there for the people that are willing to look. And that's what he's pointing out there. And he posted this V-safe. Um, he's pointing out there's this V-safe study. I think actually it might be in here. Mm. Well, okay, sorry, let me back up. He posted this and I retweeted it. Uh, it's basically... They the, the CDC created this V-safe system where they were going to track, I think it was about 4,000 pregnant women, uh, 3,958 pregnant women in that study. And it's been over 10, 12, uh, like uh, over a year, I believe at this point, uh, since they've started the study, which means all of these babies have been born. Why haven't they published the data? And well, uh, he's pointing out they haven't published it. And should there be a safety signal in that data, they have suppressed the whole team should be criminally investigated. And here's the whole team. He's highlighted them. And what I did is went on Twitter and looked up every one of these names and tagged them in a tweet. <laughs> here we can go. We can find it right here. And I said, uh, given the recent drops in fertility we're seeing around the world, would any of you, uh, the world, any updates on your study? And then I tagged each of these people that had an account. Now, it was interesting. None of the CDC people had public accounts where they used their name. Some of them were referenced by like the Royal College of uh, OBGYNs, gynecologists, where, who are claiming, as Jicky's pointing out here, that, oh, no, you get the vaccine and you experience a 15% decrease in stillbirths because they had their fixer at the CDC use some bullshit statistical analysis from various studies where he gets to pick and choose and cherry pick the data to tell that lie in the face of this horrific reality that we're seeing around the world. These people are going to sit there and lie to the face of all these doctors. So they had one of the CDC people referenced, so I tagged them. I'm not sure about some of these, you know, that one's probably her. Not sure about her. Probably this person. Here's another one of these uh, organizations that was naming one of these doctors that didn't have an account, but also another CDC employee. 
and then tag the CDC. And I finished it by saying whomever comes forward first usually gets the best deal, guys. Come on. <laughs> Clock's ticking, folks. This is coming out. You're not hiding this. We're all going to know real soon because it's going to be become painfully obvious what you all have done. And the time to act and stand up and have show some backbone and integrity, try and do something to save humanity instead of flushing it down the toilet, was a, we passed that a long time ago, but now's good. How about now? Uh, okay. Oh, that's what it is. So here's where they're saying... The Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, 15% reduction in stillbirths in pregnant women when you get the COVID-19 vaccine. <laughs> and Jicky's saying, yet yeah, neither a 15% reduction in stillbirths nor a 90% reduction in COVID-19 infection has been shown in the UK, UK HSA surveillance reports. We covered those ad nauseum. So what is this study that they are claiming, right? It's a meta-analysis of observational studies included in the conflicted Deegan study from Israel. This is their fixer, right? There is no full-term follow-up of the V-Safe pregnancy registry data, uh, which first published on the 17th of June, 2021, 11 months ago. So all these babies are born. Well, are the outcomes known of all these babies? I don't think all of them were born. I think there's probably a lot of them that weren't. And that's what they don't want you to know. And don't bother asking the RCOG to explain their multiple claims of hundreds of thousands of safely completed pregnancies because they will tell you they aren't a public authority, remember? So this is how they've stonewalled it, right? There are just too many red flags with both this meta-analysis and the glaring absence of the V-safe full-term follow-up. There is not one woman in the original cohort published in June 2021 who is still pregnant unless she's called Nellie, which is an elephant, and they are pregnant for 18 to 22 months. So <laughs> scientists trying to be funny again. So, that one's not bad, Jiggy. Not bad. I'll give you that one. Okay. Um, we're going back to the smartest guy in the world again here. He was talking with a colleague debating whether the CIA and the NIH and asset Ralph Barrick, who we've covered many times. Remember, he was put his hand in his pocket when he's speaking at the lectern at UNC years ago. Debating whether the CIA and NIH asset Ralph Barrick and his co-conspirators at the Wuhan Virolo Virology Lab were knowingly attempting to induce Alzheimer's disease with their COVID-19 bioweapons research. Now, Ralph Barrick. What did he do? He made it possible to do these genetic inserts without leaving the fingerprints, right? So that they could claim, oh, no, that's natural. I mean, it could have evolved through natural evolution with the bat paneloan menage a trois. And he also shipped this off to Wuhan for production. That was kind of the role that they played. So there's a Substack article that he's referencing here from Walter. That's We're going to go through that in a little bit, but I wanted to give you this as a primer to realize the um, just what they've done. You know, I say it's a bioweapon. I say it's a cytotoxic, neurotoxic 
uh, pathogen does creates amyloid, all this stuff. I don't think you guys realize the extent because I didn't until this week. Okay. When tau tangles or tangled tau and beta amyloid plaques accumulate in large enough numbers, these microscopic uh, brain protein fragments impede a person's ability to think and remember. Now, I think it was two weeks ago we talked about, or maybe even last week, we talked about how there are all these forgetful people. You know, I went to the water park and I noticed like multiple cars were like parked over the line. Like they weren't even trying. They were taking up two spots, in some cases three. And it's like, do these, I don't recall seeing that at all the last few years. But this year, every time I go, there's one or two or more spots where somebody's just parked way over the line for whatever reason. And, and you know, we're seeing all of these things increase in aggression of people. They're way more forgetful. They're not remembering basic tasks. This is what's happening to them. Okay. It is these beta amyloid plaques. This is the spike, I think, act, attaching to a plaque, causing it to trigger more clotting, basically. I called this potential phenomenon accelerated AD, uh, ADD, or sorry, he calls that AAD, concluding that AAD will impact all demographics that subjected themselves to the death facts, yes, even children. And that's accelerated Alzheimer's disease. That's what we're talking about here. Okay. Basically, the spike protein, especially the gene therapy var variant, which has two lab-made proline modifications, that's the cap on the end, the dual proline substitution, that causes an increase of 10 to 50-fold increase in spike protein production. But, you know, it's also what somehow magically the pharmaceutical cartels tells us makes the spike completely safe because, well, we've put a dual proline substitution on it to prevent misfolding into amyloids, which are, sorry, to prevent it from converting into an amyloid and misfolding into a prion. So it's going to be fine, except turns out they're completely wrong about that. All demographics, uh, let me see, wide range events. Okay, basically the spike protein, especially the gene variant, which has two lab-made proline modifications, thus making it extremely more deadly over time, induces the androgynous production of fibrils, which kick off a wide range of adverse events over time and ultimately cause premature death. All demographics will experience this geriatric disease, even children. All demographics will experience premature death. Okay. So what he's saying, these spikes are going to bind with cells and produce fibrils. This is the white stretchy stuff that they're finding in the veins of the vaccinated. While they're trying to do autopsies, they can't even flush the embalming fluid through their system. And now we know the mechanism here. I asked my associate if the bioweapon perpetrator specifically knew that they were targeting androgynous or endogenous abnormal tau production with their gain-of-function research. My associate replied that he was 100% certain that they always knew about tau, prion-based diseases, cardiac damage, etc. 
the more toxic tau build up and the greater the ADD, advanced Alzheimer's disease, uh, Alzheimer's disease brain damage, the greater the ADD brain damage, the easier it is to control and depopulate said ADD brain damaged swaths of the population. See what he's suggesting? They're dumbing people down to set them up for the kill. And just a few days later, we have incontrovertible proof. So he's got a tweet here from Keith Evans. To all the good scientists out there, I've read a paper below correctly that the reaction between the host host and HIV-1, GP-120 glycoproteins can cause amyloidosis. And he's referencing a paper here. Uh, and of course, you've got the GP-120s. This ties in with the whole uh, PRR, PARR, I believe it is, or PRRA, and the DC sign. These are all components that DARPA funded the development of over the last several years that allowed things like the docking for this GP120 insert, which is HIV, which is what, it, and it, those, those inserts along with that fur FCS, that fur and cleavage site, is what made this thing so much more pathogenic and virulent. The FCS lets it bind to the ACE2 receptors. And then magically, those four changes all popped into SARS-CoV-2 just like that in just the right places. And they're bigger than the usual little mutations that you see, way bigger, like didn't happen bigger. Okay, let's start with the obvious. The year of publication was 2014. So oh, I probably skipped too much here. He goes through a bunch of articles here. And he's talking about peptides derived from HIV GP120 co-receptor binding domain form amyloid fibrils and enhance HIV infection. So what's happening? Uh, these GP120 inserts are binding and creating the fibrils, the white stuff. The GP120 inserts is what was added to the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2. It's one of the things that popped in first time ever. This is what uh, Pradhan Pradesh uh, discovered and published the paper early in 2020 and got attacked viciously and Fauci and everything had meetings about it. And then they came out and attacked him in unison and discredited him because he was on to the truth. And we're going to see tonight that's still going on. You got a journalist over in Ukraine facing a three-year prison sentence in Germany because she's not touting the official narrative that Germany is in the right and Russia is in the wrong. This is absolute insanity. Okay. And then uh, it goes on here. I'm not going to read all of this, but mediated enhancement of HIV-1 infection by inhibiting the formation of amyloid fibrils. So it's another process where it kind of shuts down a check that's supposed to prevent this from happening, tells it to stand down. Like this thing is so pernicious, people. You have to understand this was not just some freak of nature accident. This is a carefully crafted pathogenic bioweapon designed to take out a lot of humanity. And it was funded by the Department of Defense and unleashed on all of us. Uh, okay, so they've got this 2014 paper. Re researcher 
Shibo Zhang from Fudan University, Shanghai, and the rest of the team were all CCP assets. They happen to have ties with Dr. Mangle 2.0, which is Fauci and his NIH. We know that COVID-19 had gain-of-function HIV and tuberculosis insertions. We know that the death vax causes VADES, vaccine-enhanced uh, vaccine, whatever, basically a whole series of symptoms related to the vaccine that weaken your immune system. Uh, we also know that the tau protein was discovered in 1975. By 1985, researchers had already linked tau to abnormal protein deposits found in the brain of uh, Alzheimer's or AD patients. Uh, all time, what is that? Advanced dementia? Shit. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> Tau was proven to be one of the causes of intracellular neurofibrily tangles. By 2014, researchers studying AD and beta amyloid fibrils knew about Tau, and researchers studying HIV-1 and virus attachments in relation to AD and beta amyloid fibrils all knew about this role that Tau plays in the neurodegenerative disease. Okay, so again. This is what's happening, that these spikes come in, they bind, they create the fibrils, they bind with the plaque cells, cause more clotting, cause damage not in the brain because of the LNP that helps transport it there. But also, this is happening all over the body in all the tissues, okay? And this is what we're going to get into with cachexia uh, disease, a wasting syndrome, where all of your tissues are just dying, and this is the process that they're that's undergoing. Okay, they all knew they were infecting and transfecting people with AAD uh, via their lab-made spike protein. So then he's referencing uh, cachexia and amyloidosis. Uh, a recent article that uh, Walter put out. The very same CCP and NIH researchers always knew that their lab-modified spike protein cytotoxin would be kind of self-replicating or self-generating amyloidogenic protein, right? So it attaches, converts what it attaches to into an amyloid, okay? And then what, ha what the, the amyloid, a prion or a prion, is an amyloid that's basically misfolded, if I understand this correctly. So that's a step in the process towards creating these prions or prions, which are causing... Alzheimer's, dementia, and so forth in the elderly and more and more in the young. This is an ongoing process. <laughs> uh, tangled tau production may be androgynously activated, accelerating indefinitely, meaning it's just a thing that keeps going on and on. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped too much here. The modified RNA gene therapy injection swaps out the uracil component of the four naturally occurring RNA nucleobases for the synthetic pseudouridine. So again, that was another one of the things that was changed in the lipid nano complex formulation that downregulates the immune system, helps it gain entry to the cell without raising the alarm. The former lasts around two minutes in the body while the latter lasts indefinitely. The lab-made spike protein of the death vax made by self-replicating, maybe self-replicating indefinitely, meaning these spikes go in and create more and more. Tangled tau production may be in 
introgeneously, accelerating indefinitely. Those that subjected themselves to the gene therapy are experiencing long COVID, even if they feel fine. And that's something I hear from a lot of people that are vaccinated. Oh, it's fine for me. You know, I'm not having any symptoms. I feel, feel great, but this process could be going on, right? Long COVID may be premature AD or AAD. And let me just scroll back up and see Alzheimer's disease. There we go. I knew I was, <laughs> sorry, I blinked on it. Okay. Ergo, those that subjected themselves to the gene therapy all have the dangerous tangled towel endogeneously slowly growing inside of them as a direct function of the modified spike proteins that are perpetually being produced by the modified RNA and as such are persistently inducing the cascading neurological damage even if they feel fine. By the way, most AD sufferers feel fine even while they are anything but. That's a common symptom of people that have Alzheimer's disease. They don't think they need the medication. And I think they end up thinking people are stealing from them, even though that's not happening. Um, therefore, the researchers that created COVID-19 and the slow kill bioweapon injectables always knew exactly what they were devising. They knew that this entire PSYOP-19 program would slowly but surely wipe out the planet and what easier members of society to call than those suffering from AAD. They don't even know where they are, right? How are they going to fight back? So I know that was a little technically complex there, but the reason I wanted to go through that is so you can kind of just at least have a glimpse of how much work went into creating this toxic bioweapon that attacks your body at every way possible, triggers all the signs of aging, goes through, is killing your tissue all over the place. It's triggering immune responses. As Jessica Rose, we're going to go through one of her Substack articles here later. She points out how it could be behind some of these, uh, I think it was thrombocytopenia, which is a drop in platelets. Well, guess what the spikes are doing? They're binding with the platelets and then triggering more platelets to come, which is clotting, which is why there's not enough a low platelet count that these guys are seeing, which is what induces the thrombocytopenia. But first, here is Walter's article that kind of started all of this. And we're going to go through, there's some segments here I want to read, but I want to start with the study that he primarily based this on. This is persistent circulating SARS-CoV-2 spike is associated with post-acute COVID-19 squillae, which is, um, they call it, call it PASC, it's long COVID. Okay, and I'm just going to translate it as long COVID when I read this because I think it'll take some of the cl clinical terminology that you end up swimming in when you read this kind of stuff. So let me read a few bits from this. Uh, the diagnosis and management of uh, long COVID poses an ongoing medical challenge. Identifying biomarkers associated with long COVID would immensely improve the classification of long COVID patients to provide the means to evaluate treatment strategies. They've Analyzed plasma in the study from a cohort of long COVID and COVID-19 patients, okay? To quantify, uh, strikingly, we detect SARS-CoV-2 spike antigen in a majority of, P of long COVID patients up to 12 months post-diagnosis, right? So, like, they, they catch SARS-CoV-2, 12 months later, 
still spike protein circulating. Every single study where they've looked for it, they've found it. Now, in decreasing levels, granted, but it's always been there. We've never seen it where they don't they look for it and they don't find it in somebody that's had these shots or and I think this is almost saying have gotten COVID as well. Furthermore, temporal antigen profiles for many patients show the persistence of spike at multiple time points over several months, highlighting the potential utility of the SARS-CoV-2 full spike protein as a biomarker for long COVID. So they're trying to figure out a kind of common way to diagnose this. While symptoms typically resolve within a few weeks, some individuals experience persistent symptoms following the acute phase of the uh, coronavirus disease. So they catch COVID and they get really sick and it doesn't clear very fast, right? And some people are still still de- dealing with symptoms months, 9, 10, 12 months later. Around one quarter of individuals with COVID-19 continue to experience symptoms four to five weeks after a positive test and approximately one in 10 have continuing symptoms after 12 weeks. So this is like my buddy that runs the restaurant having chest pains. I think it's because he's in the public encountering spike proteins being shed from the vaccinated from people with COVID and he's picking those up and it's still causing damage this process of amyloidosis this lack of mechanistic clarity is due partly to the heterogeneity of the patient uh, recruitment and inconsistencies in defining long covid patients making it difficult to integrate studies results across studies so they're trying to kind of group some studies together but they don't have a common definition yet for long covid the majority of long covid patients were female Uh, There were 30 of those consistent with other studies that found women are predominantly affected by persistent symptoms following SARS-CoV-2 infection. That's something that mirrors what I've seen online. It's mostly women that are talking about, there are definitely men out there that are having this problem, but there's a lot of women predominantly like, uh, oh, Brittany uh, Gavin is one example of that and several others. Of the individuals who were not diagnosed with long COVID, 26, 10 were admitted to the ICU and seven were intubated. So, you know, obviously something going on there. We detected S1 and the nucleocapsid in COVID-19 patients, often those hospitalized with severe disease and within the first week post-diagnosis, but we did not detect the full spike in any of those patients. So, They're looking at these, you can see these little uh, graphs, dot graphs here, where they're showing over time levels of S1, which is the first segment of the spike where you have the receptor binding domain, the HIV inserts and so forth, the full spike and the nucleocapsid antibodies, or the, sorry, the end spike, which is, you know, from natural infection basically. And you can see these signals kind of, they're coming and going. In only a few cases, the persistence of S1 or spike may be correlated uh, with vaccination. However, according to previous findings, S1 is only detected within the first two weeks after the first dose and spike is rarely detected. Okay, most notably, we detected circulating SARS-CoV-2 spike in the majority of long COVID patients. So is this what's making them sick? I think very highly likely. But none of the COVID-19 patients 
So circulating spike in the majority of the long COVID patients, but none of the COVID-19 patients. Although our sample size is small, the detection of spike at multiple time points, two to 12 months after infection is compelling. And these temporal fluctuations in antigen levels, so basically sometimes you have it, then you don't, and then it comes back, and then you don't. So it's, you know, it's to really properly study it, you're going to need consistent regular interval testing to determine what's going on there. Um, let me see. The persistence of circulating spikes supports the hypothesis that a reservoir of active virus persists in the body. So they're thinking, well, there's got to be some organ or place in the body where it can't get uh, correct, get attacked and eliminated. And it's just pumping out spike, pumping out spike. But this is what Walter's going to go into. He thinks there is no reservoir. It's just, it's happening everywhere. Postmortem tissue analysis revealed the presence of SARS-CoV-2 RNA and the viral specific protein expression, not only in respiratory tissues, but also in cardiovascular lymphoid, gastrointestinal, uh, peripheral nervous and brain tissues, and in the majority of the individuals analyzed. That was a 44 uh, furthermore, in a, our previous study, a reservoir of replicating SARS-CoV-2 was found to occur in the GI tract of children who developed uh, MISC. We read a story about that a couple weeks back. In that study, we detected elevated levels of circulating spike after initial SARS-CoV-2 infection. Oh, let me, I'm getting off there. Let me stick to the highlighted, sorry. Um, if, if viral reservoirs persist in the body of long COVID patients, then why do we also not detect uh, circulating in in larger proportion of patients? So they're talking about the nucleocapsid antibodies, right? So why don't they see those? And I think it's because the vaccine suppresses that. And maybe the spike as well because of what's going on here, what it's the amyloids that it's creating. Persistent viral reservoirs are likely a cause of long COVID systems, but circulating spike may also give rise to symptoms. Although the spike does not instigate a cytokine storm because the immune system's shut down, in long COVID patients, it could act through other mechanisms that interfere with normal cellular function, and that's the amyloid angle of all this and the, the prions that those break down further into, misfold into. Persistent tissue localized dysfunction. So it's literally acting at a cellular level, going in and causing problems. And eventually it becomes more than the body can deal with. And that's when you get these sudden deaths where these kids are being found dead in their bed. Like the paramedic talked about earlier in the show. If long COVID is the result of persistent viral replication in tissues outside the lung, it may also explain why changes in circulating inflammatory markers may be subtle when measured in the blood, although they may be elevated within a given tissue. In conclusion, the presence of the circulating spike in long COVID patients up to 12 months post-diagnosis strongly suggests that SARS-CoV-2 viral reservoirs persist in the body. Additionally, the detection of spike in a majority of individuals included in our a long COVID cohort provides strong support for use of spike as a biomarker for long COVID. If long COVID patients can be identified based on that measurement, then you know they can start coming up with effective treatment strategies and start increasing their effectiveness from there, which is 100% what doctors should be working on right now. Instead, they're still denying that this is a problem. 
it's just, it boggles my mind watching this unfold here. Okay, let's go back to Walter's article. So what he's pointing out, what I believe we must consider here is that there may be no viral reservoir. If the spike protein is not cleared and uh, is it ever actually completely cleared? Is it propagating prion-like traveling via extracellular vesicles? It may be self-propagating, providing its own eternal, ever-expanding reservoir within the body. Okay. Stable. Okay, so, and there's a couple more studies here, but this is just a brief from the abstract of this one. It's talking about self-propagation of pathogenic protein accelerates in neurodegenerative diseases. So this is Alzheimer's disease, uh, dementia, prions getting into the brain tissue and causing problems, okay? And what it's suggesting is that this is, let me get a drink. What it's suggesting is that this is, um, there's a mechanism here that this could be happening, that the spikes are driving this process. The, you know, 100% safe spikes that the vaccine produces in orders of magnitude in billions compared to uh, millions among the vaccinated versus the people who get natural infection. In a remarkable variety of diseases, specific proteins have been found to misfold and aggregate into seeds that structurally corrupt like proteins, causing them to aggregate and form pathogenic assemblies ranging from small oligomers to large masses of amyloid. So what is that saying? It's saying that these, um, these prions, these proteins, will go around and find other proteins and somehow trigger them to also misfold into this disease-causing element and that's sort of the method of self-propagation that Walter's putting forth here. That as these things bounce around, they run into other cell, other proteins and trigger a misfold. And the process continues to cascade. That's why some of these are coming on so fast. Because of this, right? And, and a number of other reasons, because this thing is so deadly. Protonaceous seeds can therefore serve as self process propagating agents for the instigation and progression of disease. Exactly what we just described. Okay. And then there's another one here. This is uh, spike protein interaction with amyloidogenic proteins, potential clues to neurodegeneration. So protein aggregation in the brain can be considered one of the important reasons behind neurodegeneration. Heparin uh, binding accelerates the aggregation of the pathological amyloid proteins present in the brain. Okay, and this is what Jessica Rose is going to get into here next. She just released, I think it was a couple hours ago, a paper on a Substack article on this specific pathway. This heparin, heparin binding and what that's potentially setting up. Okay. These interactions suggest that the heparin binding site on the S1 protein, which is what that previous study showed, is circulating 12 months post-shot, uh, post post-infection in long COVID patients, and thus could trigger, could initiate aggregation of these proteins and finally leads to neurodegeneration in the brain. So 
bouncing around, creating these other pathogenic elements, converting them into pathogenic elements, and it cascades from there. Okay, let's go back to Walter's study here. So uh, stable binding of the S1 protein to these aggregation-prone proteins, which might initiate aggregation of brain protein and accelerate the neurodegeneration. He's saying, I wrote post last year pointing towards this effect, specifically ones describing long COVID as a cancer metabolism syndrome, cancer without tumors. And that's one I definitely read. I don't think we covered it on the show. And lethal cancer phenotype without a primary tumor. But it's essentially what he was describing in that one is you're getting cancer, but it's not happening in a central point in your body like it typically does. It's happening everywhere because of this amyloidosis, this am, these amyloids and these fibrils and fibrin and these prions that are getting pushed out. So he says, there are several questions. How do we mitigate the presence and potential self-propagating abilities of the spike protein? Like, how do we stop this process from happening in the vaccinated, right? Which means it doesn't progress, but the damage that's been done is a lot of that's irreversible and not, not coming back, right? So that's what you have to realize. That's why this is so time sensitive because these people are getting progressively worse. And if we don't figure this out in time, a lot of them are going to die. Simple as that. Does repeated exposure to the spike protein, either via infection or vaccination, induce and or accelerate these processes? That's a question I have. I think the answer to that is yes, and that it's your strategy should be to limit exposure to this stuff as much as you can because of what we know about it. It is a toxic bioweapon designed to induce your body to self-destruct throughout every system, every tissue. It starts, goes in there, starts killing cells, starts creating elements that trigger disease, and it just continues to progress over time, unchecked. Because your immune system has been Because your immune system has been downregulated. Someone's telling me I'm muted. No, I'm not. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Next question he's got. Uh, How to ensure the world medical and research communities address and investigate these conclusions? Yeah, I don't know. But they need to. I mean, they're still denying that this is a problem at the present moment, which is just stunning to watch okay here's unacceptable jessica on substack jessica r at substack.com and she's talking about heparin um it's an invaluable exogenous water soluble solution produced from pigs it inhibits the coagulation cascade and thus inhibits production of fibrin so she goes through in this article and we're just taking some a very few points from this but she kind of lays out how the body has this cascade thing and these heparin uh, binding sites are what induce coagulation and there's a way to sort of stop that and that might be what the spike is doing, okay? Of the 20,000 or so proteins of the human uh, proteome 
There are more than 25 amyloid-forming proteins that have been identified and associated with serious disease in humans, and many of these have heparin-binding sites. Okay, and there's a list of them right there. So paper published last year suggesting that the SARS-CoV-2 RBD, that's receptor-binding domain, binds to a number of aggregation-prone heparin-binding proteins. And from the study here, these interactions suggest that heparin binding site on the S1 protein might assist the binding of amyloid proteins to the viral surface and thus could initiate aggregation of these proteins and finally leads to neurodegeneration in the brain. So again, she's describing this cascading effect that we think this spike is causing and it's happening in the people who've caught COVID and it's happening in the people who are vaccinated, but it you know, orders of magnitude, different scale. This in and of itself is frightening news and could very well implicate the spike with amyloidosis. I I think that's exactly what's happening. And this is what I didn't understand. And one of the things I was trying to figure out from that study that we read earlier, they talk about the spike protein. Well, that's the S1 and S2. I had never understood what the difference was between these two. And then you've got this little line in the middle. That's the fern cleavage site, the FCS that makes it infectious in humans. So in the S1, that's where you have these receptor binding sites, where you have the HIV inserts and all the other nastiness to it. That's what's circulating, okay? So, and of course, all of those features, those four changes at the receptor binding domain and the FCS is what made the thing way more deadly. S1 protein has been found in individuals in the context of COVID-19 and post-injection with COVID-19 products. So it's common to both natural infection and vaccination. And the molecular docking score of S1 to heparin is very high. This means that the S1 likely binds to heparin with high affinity, meaning very likely to happen, to be binding to that. The mechanism of action of the COVID-19 injectionable products uh, delivery of coding material, the mRNA wrapped in the LNP the, to produce the spike protein. Of course, the LNP gets it all over the body, into the brain, so forth. That's why this is a process that like, we focus on the brain because that's showing us the symptoms as pretty apparent, like people getting upset and angry, and we're going to show you some examples of that tonight. But it's important to understand it's happening to every major organ, to your muscle tissues, all of it all over the body. We know that the spike protein is cleaved from the furring cleavage site uh, to produce S1 and S2 proportions in the case of the viral form. To me, it is easy to imagine that the S1 protein will be cleared and circulating in both post-COVID and post-injection settings. So it's something common to both, as we've been saying. It's also very easy for me to imagine that this S1 would bind in endogenous herapin. It uh, seems highly likely that this binding would interfere with herapin's ability to bind to the certain receptor, which means that inhibited coagulation cascade, which means bleeding. So what is she describing? If my theory is correct, essentially what she's saying, then we should see patients with abnormal bleeding problems as a result of COVID infection or vaccination. And again, Orders of magnitude different in the amount of spike that you get from these shots versus natural infection. And of course, with each successive shot, more and more spikes. 
more and more and more. So it compounds the problem with the more of this poison that you take. Let me leave you with some VAERS reports uh, reflective of dysregulated coagulation cascade. Before she does that, she wants to talk about this thrombocytopenia, which is what I was referencing earlier. One more important point, hairpin-induced thrombocytopenia is the development of thrombocytopenia, which is a low platelet count, due to the admission of various forms of administration of various forms of heparin. So this happens when one uh, has been previously exposed to heparin and an autoimmune reaction to platelet factor four, which platelet factor four combines with heparin on the surface of the platelet, it becomes immunogenic. So it's like if you've had this before, it sets up a immune problem potentially. The antibodies against this compl- against the complex can do two things. It can tag the platelets for destruction by the spleen, or it can activate the platelet. What happens then? The platelets do what platelets do. They call for more platelets over, and they have the platelet clot party, create clotting in the vasculature. So what's the end result of these two things, students? Platelet loss, which is thrombocytopenia. The clots can cause deep vein thrombosis, pulmonary embolisms, myocarditis, myocardial infarctions, cerebral vascular accidents, or cerebral venous thrombosis, or acute arterial occlusions leading to limb gangrene. How many times have I showed you people getting amputated? Remember the guy standing on his foot? This is what likely happened to him. It occurred to me that this might be the difference between people who bleed and people who clot. It would be very interesting to find out who of the people with thrombocytopenia had previously been administered heparin. Furthermore, it shouldn't uh, shouldn't the shots be counterindicated in people with bleeding disorders if in fact the S1 binds to heparin? And yeah, absolutely, it should be. Because basically if you've had this started raining, I think. Oh no, they're doing fireworks outside. <laughs> If you've had this shot before, then you're at a much higher risk, right? And then she's got some VAERS. She looked up things like abnormal uterine bleeding, uh, menstrual disorder, menstrual irregularities, heavy menstrual bleeding. And you can see there's a bell curve here and it peaks in the 18 to 24 group. And it's also in the 40 to 49. So childbearing age, bell curve distribution for abnormal bleeding, menstrual adverse events reports in the CDC data. And then she goes through several others and there's very clear indications that there's risk with increased age. And she's got all of her sources here. So there's another, I mean, again, we've got another way to sort of slice this, these symptoms that we're seeing and sort of explain what the mechanism behind it might be. And it's not that there's one thing going on. It's that it's attacking every system. Why? Because it's a very carefully well-funded, well-designed bioweapon that was unleashed on humanity. That's what you need to understand here. Okay. Let me see what's... I'm trying to figure out which way I want to go here. Yeah, let's go back. Let me go to here and show you <laughs> what they're 
what they're actually doing about it. You know, they say, you know, we just covered like what they should do about it. Start talking about this and coming up with treatment plans and everything else. What they're actually doing is letting people know that your energy price rise may cause heart attacks and strokes, right? That's killing people, causing heart attacks. So is uh, apparently gardening because, you know, there's these things in the soil that cause heart attacks. And, uh, oh, yeah, solar storms might also cause heart attacks. And, well, if that didn't convince you, there's all these. Skipping breakfast, uh, (laughs) pandemic stress, loud noises from airplanes, uh, lonely older women are having heart attacks, physical activity can cause heart attacks. <laughs> I mean, they've literally come up with everything under the sun here that causes heart attacks to sort of pre-program the masses into accepting this massive increase in heart attacks without questioning the vaccine. But the elephant in the room is that insurance data that's saying, no, no, 100 billion percent This is not natural. Something is at cause. And that something are these shots. It's as simple as that. Okay. Here's Dave the Barbarian. He's on Twitter in the healthcare field. He's been dealing with long COVID. And um, he's trying to figure it out. And here he is saying, hard to believe I made that a year ago, just stumbled upon it. And this is a post of something that he made where he's mapping out all of the problems that the long COVID are experiencing and why they're not getting treated and how the healthcare system is basically screwing them. And he's right, you know, they're being gaslit and, and pawned off and it's absolutely disgraceful. But yet when I send him like Walter's study, You know what he said? Oh, this looks like a Swiss cheese patchwork of stuff that doesn't say anything. This isn't relevant. He dismisses everything that we just went through that lays out exactly what's happening to him. And it it just, it's stunning to me. It's like these people don't want to help themselves somehow. All right. Well, actually, yeah, let's go to there. So I want to talk about decivilization. Now, this is the Mysterious Universe guys that picked up the um, the Gert Vandenbosch show that I did and did an episode on it, and it was fantastic. Uh, I've been, they're becoming my Joe Rogan replacement because he's on Spotify, which deplatformed me, and I, I don't know, I just don't listen to Joe anymore. Um, these guys get into really great stuff. And this was another one of those episodes where they talked about this book um, that came out. Bear with me one second. It's uh, it's called The End of the World is Just the Beginning, Mapping the Collapse of Civilization by Peter Zeehan. It's like a 500-page mammoth book, right? And they did this episode right here on it that is really excellent, gave me a lot of things to think about. Now, the author of this book, he advises the CIA, he advises some of the intelligence community, um, the people that want to know, like, what can we expect down the road, right? And it paints a picture that uh, 
is pretty disturbing, right? And it, it's based around the idea that society exists today at a level of complexity that is dependent on the number of people in the world. And that as populations decline, that level of complexity can't be maintained. And the reason that I like this episode so much and that I got excited about it is it's because it's some of the exact same things that I've been talking to you guys about over the last two years. And I'm not advising the, C- the CIA, definitely. Um, it's talking about how things just break down, right? You have that one guy who used to maintain the machine and now he's dead, something, he retired, whatever, Nobody knows how to run that machine. It broke, and now we don't know how to fix it, and now we can't operate the plant and produce our widget. What do we do? And, it, and it like, these are the disruptions that is heading for the global economy, and, and it's going to be happening across the board. He gives the example of um, a pipe, pipeline for water that brings, you know, billions of gallons a year of water into Denver, and guess what? If they can't not only run that pipeline, but maintain it, Denver will be able to support a 10th its current population without that pipeline. And look at what's happening to the, the reservoir in uh, Nevada, the Hoover Dam. Lake Mead is draining. You're seeing all of these boats and things, um, being exposed bodies with barrel barrels with bodies in them and all sorts of other things. The, this is coming to a head. This is exactly the world we're going into. They mentioned in Australia, you can't get a car for 12 to 18 months. If you want to buy one new, you got a, there's a wait list. Why? Because they can't get the chips. And in one example, he talked about to roll up and down the windows, the power windows, they couldn't get the chip to run that. So it was holding up production of the cars. And it's like, it points out that we're going to go into a world post-globalization that is far, far simpler. You know, you might have to do the old crank windows because why? It doesn't depend on that level of complexity that can no longer be supported anymore. And that really 2019 was the pinnacle of that complexity. And since then, it started declining. The birth rates have already been declining They don't even, I didn't even hear them mention anything about COVID and the vaccine and the increase in deaths. That's obviously going to greatly aggravate the problem. And he's saying 2022, 2023 is the crash, the big crash. So let me see here. There's a review. Let me read a little bit of it. Uh, 2019 was the last great year for the world economy. For generations, everything has been getting faster, better, and cheaper. Finally, we've reached the point that almost everything you could ever want could be sent to your home within days or even hours of when you decided you wanted it. Amazon, right? Amazing. Until they deplatformed me on Twitch. Now I'm no longer a Prime member. America made that happen, but now America has lost interest in keeping it going. Globe-spending supply chains are only possible with the protection of the U.S. Navy. The American dollar underpins internationalized uh, energy and financial markets. Complex, innovative industries were created to satisfy American consumers. American security policy forced warring nations to lay down their arms. Billions of people have been fed across 
fed and educated as the American-led trade system spread across the globe. All of this was artificial. All of this was temporary. All of this is ending. In the end of the world is just the beginning. <clears throat> Author and geopolitical strategist Peter uh, Zihan maps out the next world, a world where countries or regions will have no choice but to make their own goods, grow their own food, secure their own energy, fight their own battles, and do it all with populations that are both shrinking and aging, as well as sick and dying from these vaccines. The list of countries that make it will work, uh, make it all work is smaller than you would think, which means everything about our interconnected world from how we manufacture products to how we grow food, to how we keep the lights on, to how we uh, shuffle stuff about, to how we pay for it all is about to change. A world ending, a world beginning, Zihan brings readers along, blah, blah, blah. So what have we talked about? Everything collapsing, everything breaks apart, and then we have to step in as the leaders with the crypto resources and start rebuilding these systems, start doing things locally to improve the life of your friends and neighbors. And there's, we are going into a time of tremendous opportunity. And I think if the um, whole free energy thing comes out as part of the secrets revealed as the dollar fails and all the bribe schemes fall apart and this, you know, people need to sell it to live their life kind of thing and survive that will come out and that will definitely soften the blow of this process. We can hope for that, but I, I don't know, but this was very interesting. I haven't read the book yet. There's an audio book. I would love to get if somebody wants to get that for me, <laughs> you would be my best friend for at least a day. Okay. Let me go back here. Speaking of the breakdown I do want to talk about costs. Uh, I'm all for people getting paid more, but uh, uh, you guys have uh, done an extraordinary job on for your pilots uh, to get paid a lot more. That is, though, going to get passed on to consumers. By my math, and you tell me if this is wrong, a narrow body captain at the top of the scale is now going to earn about $340,000. That'll be $45,000 more than they did last year. A wide-body captain at the top of the scale is going to earn about $425,000 a year. That would be a $64,000 increase annually. Yeah, well, that's, Mr. Isom has uh, provided an offer. We don't have an agreement. What we're all fighting for is to have a more reliable airline and one that actually lives up to our passengers' deep investment with their tickets to get them from A to B. I just came back from flying late last night, flew this week, clear skies. It was an unmitigated mess. What is he describing right there? No weather problems, which is usually what causes the delays, but they couldn't, they weren't organized. Now, he's going to reference this 12,000 um, flights with no pilots, but that's a little bit fear-mongering, <clears throat> fear-mongering to give them leverage with American Airlines, who had a technical glitch, right, um, with their system. Remember the Southwest one where they had the technical glitch that canceled a whole bunch of flights the night before my friend came into Dallas? Same thing. This is what's happening, folks. You've got these people who know how to fix these things, know how to keep this level of complexity going. They're dying off. They're getting sick. They can't work anymore. 
they're not there. They can't fix the problem. And these hiccups start occurring with greater and greater frequency until the system collapses. That's what we're heading into. This is what this guy's describing. Listen to the questions that are asked by the squawk box. These passengers at 100,000 passengers this week at American Airlines. American in one day had 44% of the cancellations. Um, of the uh, over 700 cancellations, 90% of them was because management couldn't connect the pilot to the airplane. This is a failure of the operation. It's got to stop. It's got to get fixed. And I'm telling you, it comes from scheduling practices. They're pushing us right to the edge. Pilots are being pushed out into days off, therefore causing fatigue. The flights get canceled. This solution runs deeper. Okay, what did he just describe there? Absolute scheduling chaos. Why? Well, we know from uh, one of Steve Kirsch's guests this week that uh, Southwest Airlines has a thousand pilots that are laid up sick right now. What's happening? They have so many of their vaccinated pilots getting sick and calling in sick that it's causing complete chaos across their schedule. They can't get the pilots to the planes where they need them to fly because of all of this chaos. And the system is breaking down because they don't have the expertise, the people, to support the level of complexity that exists today. That's the reality. That's what he's describing. But he can't come out and say it's because of the vaccine. Because he would be savagely and viciously attacked for it. Uh, Mr. Isom told us what he thinks. Now it's time for him to listen to us. I know there was more to that. I don't know why it stopped. Crap. Okay. I don't know what happened there, but there's more to that interaction. Let me make sure I didn't shorten that clip. There was more to that interaction where he says, you know, it sounds like, which is it? You know, on the one hand, you're talking about how, no, that was everything. You're talking about how you don't have enough pilots and flights are getting canceled. On the other hand, you're saying it's a scheduling issue and they go back and forth and he just can't really give him a clear answer because he can't tell him the truth that there's a whole bunch of vaccine injured pilots who are getting sick and dropping out that really shouldn't be flying in the first place, but they are anyway. And apparently the airlines are like trying to pair vaxxed and unvaxxed pilots together to minimize the risk, you know, one of their planes full of passengers crashing, which by the way, so Mr. King was flying <clears throat> this airplane when, uh, well, he crashed and died. He was 62 years old. Uh, his girl, his fiance sent a, a picture of him in to the, uh, to the, local news agency. There it is. Now it's kind of strange. Uh, she's in front here and he's kind of standing in the background. Um, yeah, beautiful young woman. She was, had just gone down to, uh, 
uh, to her hometown to pick out a wedding dress, made a YouTube video about it that I saw earlier today, had the Louis Vuitton bags on the bed at the hotel that she was staying at. And uh, she says that Mr. King was a very, very kind and generous daddy who probably liked a little sugar, which... <laughs> and it seems, you know, I, is, I don't know why she didn't just send a picture of just him and sent one instead where she's the main character and he's like in the background. You don't suppose she would be capitalizing on the death of her fiance to line up another sugar daddy, do you? No, no, Bella's better be careful. Bitches are crazy. <laughs> so what happened? Um, he basically was flying his airplane, reported into the tower. This is the new news that came out. He's 62. Uh, and he was reporting chest pains uh, to the tower. They lost contact with them. His plane nosedived straight into the ground. And, of course, he was killed. Probably already died from the heart attack. And... Um, that's going to continue happening, right? And of course, I don't even, I, like, I, I bet if you asked him, hey, would you rather have, uh, would you rather, if you could do it over, would you have this beautiful young woman that you get to spend time with, that your sugar baby, obviously, or would you rather still have that money in the bank account? I'm guessing he would make the same choice. And if that's what makes him happy, who cares, right? But wow, that's that's interesting that she sent that picture in. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay, let me back up here. Talk about the system breaking down. I think this is a perfect example of it. Uh, Kung, Kung Fu Medic, he's saying, in six minutes time, I will be handing back my equipment and ID. I'm no longer working for the NHS. I don't want to be part of that organization any longer. And he is a NHS paramedic in the UK. We've covered the stories where they're waiting outside the hospital for hours, trying to get somebody who's had a heart attack admitted into the hospital. They can't because they're short staffed because their people are out and they're overloaded with people having heart attacks, strangely. And the good guys, what ends up happening as these organizations sort of degrade decay and degrade and this happened at at Agilent my company that I was working for is the good people go right like they see the writings on the wall this isn't going to get fixed they're going to run this thing into the ground no matter what I do no matter how hard I try I'm not going to be effective at changing anything here and eventually they reach their breaking point and they just decide you know what I'm going to go somewhere else and that's what this man's done. And this is going to continue happening. So you have the good people, probably might even be unvaccinated, who knows. You have them fleeing the sinking ship and you have the dead wood that hangs around. They go along to get along. They'll do whatever they're told. And they've taken the shots. And these things will fall apart fast, fast. Okay, let me go back to here. 
now and let's talk about CBDCs and banking because that's a big part of this as well, folks. How you doing, guys? Has anyone been to the bank lately and tried to withdraw any money? I came to Commonwealth Bank today to withdraw 15 grand. For some unknown reason, it got flagged as a possible scam account, right? Um, their explanation was they're going to try to try to stop me from getting scammed. Oh. So, in a nutshell, you have to call this department, and this department won't release your money until you pay them. Uh, you tell them exactly what you're going to do with the money. Even though I caused a massive scene there, absolutely massive scene, because I don't want to tell people what I'm doing with my money. Right? There is a. They're protecting him from a scam, right? They're not scamming him into giving details about his personal life that are none of their fucking business. Very strong possibility if you don't tell them that they don't pay you your own money from your own bank account. Keep in mind, I gave him a Medicare card, I gave him a driver's license, I gave him a Medibank private card, I gave him all sorts of ID, like more ID than I need to get into a government building and become Prime Minister of this country, right? Yet, they still wanted to know in exact detail what I wanted to do with my money. And they wouldn't, sell, buying drugs and drinking alcohol and going to a strip club does not suffice. They want to know exactly what the money is for. So I said to them, i got to give money to someone. I said, do you have an invoice? And then I lost my mind. So guys, yeah, I don't know what the hell this world's come to. Fucking business. We're getting to the point now where it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, I haven't lost my temper in a long time. And today made me lose my temper. You know? What the hell has this world come to? They want to know in exact details what you're doing with your money. Shrugging it off and giving them a one-sentence answer doesn't work anymore. It's bullshit. It's absolutely ridiculous. Right? You're not going to stop people scamming me, right? I'm the account holder. You can clearly see that. If I want to pay someone, you can't stop me. If you're trying to explain to me the scammers out there and I don't want to listen, that's my responsibility. That's my problem. You don't. Oh, but they can stop you. And they are doing everything in their power to increase their ability to not only stop you, but control you and punish you and reward you when you do as they wish. I need to know the exact details of what the hell I'm using my money for. I could be using it for a strip club. I could be using it to, to buy drugs. It's none of your freaking business. Anyway, that's my rant for today. If anyone's else experienced that, put it in the comments below. Yep. See you later. And of course, with CBDCs, they will essentially have visibility and control at the individual level all the way down to the individual purchases. So if they don't like what you're buying, and of course, how long before they mandate that the stores provide, transmit the item list with the payment information? You know that's coming, right? So that way they can go through and see specifically what you're buying and flag you for any objections and maybe reject the transaction, maybe fine you for it or penalize you, send out some people to go and check you. And, you know, from this panopticon that is the CBDC, the central bank digital currency that they're trying to foist on all of us while they eliminate cash and eliminate your ability to spend outside of their 
jurisdiction, their ability to surveil and monitor and control all of your transactions, they want to get rid of all that to where you are a slave to whatever they permit. That's where they're taking this. That's where this road ends. Abject financial tyranny. And crypto is the lifeboat, right? Or one of them. And I know I, I watched a video from Dr. Tempenny saying crypto, it's a crypt. Crypto's the trap. It's a grave. They're going to use it to control you. And it's like, okay, well, what do you use? I think she's probably going to say gold and silver. And in a sense, <clears throat> that's true. But I think she's understating the importance of or, or um, she's not distinct enough in making a distinction in the different types of cryptocurrencies with Bitcoin, Ethereum. Those are all KYC to AML at this point. Uh, they can see all the transactions so they know exactly what you're doing. All the layer two companies are going to be subject to subpoenas. So they'll eventually get direct feeds and you know, be able to set up in their office and or tap into their network and get a copy of everything. So yes, in that case, it's true, but I don't think she's understanding the potential for things like Monero and XX coin where you have, of truly private digital cash that is a black hole that you can only see when things get put in or things get pulled out. But if you do work and you get paid in a private cryptocurrency, nobody's going to know about that. And that is what must succeed in order to defeat this kind of tyranny. And that means you have to start adopting it. That is the disruption that's coming and, and holy crap, I watched uh, JT's show that he did with with uh, Joe, Jason at four, right before this show started. And Woo Woo Dude and Penny Kelly, which is a psychic. And the picture that they painted is mind-blowing. We'll talk about it here in a little bit. But it's, uh, it's about to get interesting, very interesting, like Attack on the White House, interesting. They might, might false flag blow it up. We'll see. <laughs> Um, okay. We have to, I mean, I think what we're going to end up with is XRP being the global bridge currency. It's public. They're going to know who it is, but if you can go in and out of a privacy coin, like you take your XRP and you put it into, um, Monero or XX coin, and then you're of course using an automated DEX and then you bring it back out into another XRP account, different amounts, you know, you got to do some things to protect yourself and so forth. But if you do something like that, you might be able to sort of break the chain, custody chain there and do things privately on the XRPL network or on the Bitcoin network. I think those two are going to be it. Like not because Bitcoin is the best performing asset, but just because it's got this, um, characteristic to its network that it's big and wasteful and uh, distributed and no, there is no owner to it, that that's always going to appeal to people for whatever reason, despite the fact that it's a Model T with a Bluetooth stereo in it. Um, 
for whatever reason, it's, I think it's going to stick around and play a role, uh, a very centralized role, not so much a trustless role in my, in my imagination, but we'll see. Um, okay. And, and so, yeah, yeah, that's gotta be the future. I know I'm rambling a little bit here, but crypto and privacy coins are how we rebuild on the other side. Okay. This old system is dying because it's so corrupted and they are locking it down. And the whole thing with Stripe and KYC AML, which by the way, let me see if I can find this. It's probably worth, worth showing you. Um, and what I'm talking about is uh, Gab Pay. Yeah, here it is. And they literally, let me get my layout. Here's the documents we require. Here's the dollar amounts that we're going to use versus Stripe telling me you can't do that. We can't tell you what's wrong. Uh, this account, the funds that have been deposited can now only be returned and you can submit another application and hope that this one goes better than the last one. Like that was their process. That's how they treat their customers. Here's Gab Pay coming in here and telling you with these documents, here's your daily, monthly, yearly limits. Once you give us a utility bill, then all those limits go up and you give us these other documents and so forth, they can be increased and we can work with you to set up whatever kind of custom limits you need if you're a big uh, big business or something. So they've set up this, I think, really cool payment system and this is the future. Like being in and, and, and I'm sure they'll expand this to work in cryptos and so forth um, eventually. But these are, I think, the payment networks of the future. And some of them will use XRP. There's still going to be this need for global trade. So this was something they were talking about with, you know, Cliff High saying, oh, no, get your money out of XRP. It's all about to crash, folks. And then without the banks, XRP has no customers, no use case. And he just, oh, poor Cliff. Um. It's going to play, I think, a major role. So, and these are kind of, these are the things that I'm looking to. I want to decentralize into as many different platforms. And there's one on Odyssey as well that uh, will link in with bank accounts in the old system, but also has a crypto component. Those, I think, are the networks that are going to get us through the sort of times that we're heading into with the collapse of the dollar and hyperinflation and all these companies failing and prod products and parts not being available for months at a time and life becoming much, much simpler than it is today. Probably with a much lower population because, you know, things like that pipe breaks feeding Denver all the water and they can't get it fixed what happens? Well, after a few days, people start going crazy. Looking for water anywhere they can. At any cost. And there's a huge diaspora that's going to happen. Where people try and get out, but how far are they going to be able to get? 
going to be interesting times. Okay. Speaking of which, so I've talked about how the censorship has changed on Twitter and how they're banning not for things that are inaccurate or incorrect, but just because they challenge the narrative. And this is, I think, one of the best examples of that happening that we've seen to date. This is uh, a journalist. Her name is, uh, oh gosh, what was it? Alina Lip. Um, she's a German journalist living in eastern Ukraine's Donbass region. She's been criminally charged by the German government for interf- interviewing Ukrainian citizens and reporting her findings. 28-year-old Alina Lip moved to Donbass area six months ago when she transmits firsthand, uh, where she transmits firsthand information to her audience in German, Russian, and English with subtitles on her Telegram channel. It's got, uh, I think it's a little under 200,000 subscribers, so her reports are getting out there without a doubt. The journalist explained that she is doing interviews with people in Dantesk and merely translating them into Germany, into German, and she says, quote, I'm simply filming everything I see around. Uh, what is that? What is it that's illegal in that or dangerous? Like, why am I being charged as a criminal for just talking to people and sharing their stories in a different language? Well, you're about to find out. In March, when one of her videos explaining the history and context of the war went viral, Uh, that's when all this began quote, you need to understand that Russia has been asking for eight years that the Minsk agreement be upheld. She's saying here, quote, Ukraine did not adhere to it, nor did they approach the Donbass region in an attempt to come to an agreement End quote. Instead, they have been bombing the outskirts of Donbass region for eight years, shelling people, civilians, right? They are shooting at civilians who now also have to live in completely shot up houses. Very many people have died here, she continued. In the video, Lip alleged that the Donbass citizens who overwhelmingly uh, voted to secede from Ukraine in 2014 had been, quote, thankful that Russia finally did something. And there are videos that I've watched where people are coming out of their houses riddled with bullet holes and they're finding the Russians and they're like, oh, thank you. They're giving them hugs. Thank you for finally coming for us. This has been a nightmare. Why? Because what she says is absolutely true. Soon after the video went viral, Lip's YouTube channel was closed. Her PayPal account was blocked. Here's the whole financial system, right? We've got to, got to decentralize this and have as many options, even if they don't connect to the fiat system, set up and in place in this world that we're going into. And the Ukrainian government labeled her a terrorist, right? Yeah. The one telling people's stories, not the people shelling civilians and murdering them. Those aren't the terrorists. The journalist is. Remember this quote over here, when plunder becomes a way of life for a group of men in a society, over the course of time, they create for themselves a legal system that authorizes it and a moral code that glorifies it. Frederick Bastiat. German authorities closed down her bank accounts and her father's bank account without warning, right? Because that's not what the Chinese, the, the red commies do, is they punish the whole family. 
The population of Donbass supports the fact that Russia has launched a special operation. Quote, I also said that for several years, Ukrainians, Ukrainians uh, have been killing civilians in the Donbass and that this is genocide and it turns out to be a crime for Germany. So they took 1,600 euro from my bank account and didn't even tell me about it, Lip said. The German government has declared her guilty and she will be a, not be able to defend herself in court. <laughs> There's your legal system. They are charging me, but they don't want to listen to me, she said. You don't get to cross-examine. No, not in the world that they want to take us into. Because their entire world is falling apart as the people wake up. So these kind of extreme measures are stop gaps to prevent the, to, to basically prolong the inevitable. And that is this system dying and it's happening. Okay. There's a few more things here. I want to point out, uh, we're just going to scroll through my feed. I didn't have time to put all these in, but, uh, monkeypox. Uh, protected from a smallpox virus or monkeypox virus challenged by the antiviral drug. So guess what? For monkeypox, they have another fusion inhibitor which would protect people from catching monkeypox or smallpox just like they did for SARS-CoV-2. Remember the spray that they had at the Wuhan lab that they would spray in the air and on the, the people would breathe it in and it's a fusion inhibitor to, to prevent infection with SARS-CoV-2. You think that could have been maybe helpful? I guess everybody forgot that they made that. So, of course, they had the same thing with this other one, with monkeypox. Here's a story. But this is critical. Dangerous things were done. This is from Dr. Bowden talking about a Odessa, Texas hospital. This is out in West Texas. They were putting, like, plastic bags over people's heads that had COVID because they didn't have the protective equipment. This is a teenager, a minor, who was a social butterfly, who was the trainer of all the sports teams, who knew no strangers, who tested positive for COVID. Her oxygen level gets down to the 80s. Her mother brings her to the ER because she's in distress. They retest her. She's positive. And then they pull this you know when you go to the grocery store to the produce section and you see the roll of plastic bags and you rip a plastic bag off and you stuff a head of lettuce in it? This is what they were using, equipment covers. It says equipment cover across her forehead. This was not made for human use, but they got away with it. That's a child. If you saw a plastic bag being put over someone's head to protect the workers at a daycare, if you went to a nursing home and you saw a senior citizen in a corner getting a plastic bag put over him so he wouldn't we be a hazard to the workers, they were doing this for months and doctors were looking the other way. Nurses looked the other way. Respiratory therapists looked the other way. This is, the this is exactly the bags they used. It comes in a roll. That's who these people are that are still in these systems. I think it's time we recognize and acknowledge that they knew exactly what they were doing was dead wrong put somebody who's having difficulty breathing 
in a plastic bag for them to fucking hyperventilate? What is wrong with you people? Who would do that to another human being? You rip it off. It's not a medical, uh, it's not an advanced trauma life support to stabilize the airway. They were bagging one person after another. This is inappropriate. This is lessons learned. I think we learned a lesson. But this was for almost a year, Madam Chair. I don't, what do you say about that? And you know what? This is crazy. This was sad. They're not sick. New York City. Couple parents bringing their looks like a four-year-old, maybe three-year-old, and their toddler into a vaccination center. And there's people outside trying to persuade them. Don't do it, guys. Guys, I'm begging you not to vaccinate your kids. It's been two years. They're not sick. They're doing good. Please just do some research. Please just do some research. Zero clinical risk. Huge risk of adverse reactions. Huge pile of unknowns. These kids could die of Alzheimer's disease in a few years. That's the reality of what they're doing. It's been two years. You haven't left anyone else alone. Please. These are precious babies. They don't have a right. They don't have a choice. They don't know any better, sweetheart. Please. All I'm asking you is just to do the research. It takes five minutes. I'm asking you just to do the research, please. It takes five minutes to do the research, sweetheart. Once it's done, it can't be reversed. I'm begging you, please do the research. I will pay you to do the research. You can come back tomorrow. I'm asking you nicely, please do the research. These are precious babies. I'm asking you to do the research nicely. They just can't be wrong. They're invested at such an emotional level in the new identity from the mass formation. They've convinced all their friends to get it and take it. Many of them are hiding their symptoms, their adverse events, because they're ashamed. It's heartbreaking to watch these people take their kids to just murder them. Um, this is Ubekistan. Massive, massive crowd of people out there uh, protesting against the government. I don't know exactly what the issue is, but I suspect inflation, jobs, you know, everything's falling apart just like it is here and everywhere else. And as the U.S., the dollar reserve currency of the world, continues to raise rates, more of these dominoes will fall, one after another after another, until eventually it makes its way back to the U.S. 
speaking of the narrative, I want you to listen to this. I'll add one provocative statement. We could take it up later. It may shock you or not shock you, or you may say, I already know that, Professor Sachs. But I chaired a commission for The Lancet for two years on COVID. I'm pretty convinced it came out of uh, US lab biotechnology, not out of nature. So here is the head guy at one, you know, the disgraced, discredited Lancet over the whole COVID-19 topic defecting from the whole natural evolution theory that they helped push, which was absolute garbage pushed by guilty parties who created it and, you know, over oversaw the projects that led to the development of this bioweapon now coming out and implying that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's looking pretty likely that this is lab made. Just to mention after two years of intensive work on this. So it's a blunder in my view, blunder of biotech, not an accident of a natural spillover. Not the department of defense through project defuse, uh, and having DARPA fund the development of all of these different platforms into the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Of course, they had other platforms working with other pathogens at, at the labs over in Ukraine. Over. We don't know for sure. I should be absolutely clear. It could still be natural. Yeah. But there's enough evidence that it should be looked into, and it's not being investigated. Correct. Not in the United States. Not anywhere, and I think for real reasons that they don't want to look underneath the uh, uh, un- underneath the uh, the rug control. I'll add. Thank you. One- thank, you. Thank, you. thank you for coming. Thank, thank you for coming. coming. Thank, thank you. you. Far enough, right there. Why don't you just stop there, sir? So uh, that's Jeff Sachs, chair of the Lancet COVID nineteen commission. Of course, Hunter Biden. Turns out his laptops had contacts for Google executives. Uh, U.S. officials for China policy. <laughs> Is anybody surprised? How long have I been telling you? We're at war with the CCP. They are destroying it from the inside. These guys are on the payroll. And the evidence just keeps coming. Of course, speaking of these shots for the six-month to four-year-old, they're doing... They're doing bribes again, $100, come come jab your kid with this toxic poisonous bioweapon. It's totally not safe, but we'll tell you otherwise. What are you waiting for? Don't you want that $100 gift card? Times are hard, aren't they? Of course, Durham. He's been completely defeated. Five-year federal statute of limitations to indict any FBI officials, agents related to the fourth and final invalid application for a wiretap warrant to spy on Trump advisor Carter Page, okayed by the FISA court back in 2017. So the clock's run out. Darn it. Once again, justice denied when it comes to them. CDC's Yeah, let's get colorful together again. Make sure you stay up to date on your COVID-19 boosters and let's keep this going. Keep what going? Keep what going exactly? 
There's uh, Hungary. This is, I think, that same uh, woman that was charged in Germany. Um, they're pointing out the 20% drop. We, we covered that. And, of course, here's what I'm seeing a lot of, right? This is Matthew. He's a, I think he's a crypto guy. No, actor, writer, singer. Smallpox, but recently there was an outbreak in the... And he was a former BuzzFeed uh, writer. UK and in Europe, and now more recently in the US, in a lot of major cities, it's starting to explode. As of now, it seems to be primarily affecting uh, queer men, but it can easily spread to anyone. And according to my doctor, and also to this NPR article, uh, the CDC is doing a... NPR. And you can see he's got monkeypox all over him really lackluster job of tracking how many cases there actually are due to lags in testing and just generally not being on top of it. These are the main ways it spreads. So you can see it's mainly through direct body, prolonged skin-to-skin -skin contact, um, through respiratory secretions, so like kissing or sex or whatever, uh, sharing items such as bedding or towels that have been exposed, etc. And I can tell you what it's like to have it because I currently do, as you can clearly see. <laughs> so uh, warning ahead, there are going to be some gross spots. You can see these here on my face. These are thankfully healing. Pointing to all these sores. I've got these on my arms and hands that you can see. They are uh, really not cute. Got one on my tummy here. And those are just a few of the ones on my body. I think in total I counted more than 25. Um, and there are also some in more sensitive areas, which also tend to be the most painful. As in, it was so painful I had to go to my doctor and get painkillers just to be able to go to sleep. Like really fucking painful and in addition to the spots even before those uh there are intense flu-like symptoms so like i had a sore throat cough fever chills i was sweating through my sheets at night just overall really miserable swollen lymph nodes not good so the reason i'm speaking out about it is because i tweeted about it and it kind of started to blow up i think mainly because it's one thing to know there's a monkeypox outbreak happening but it's another to know exactly what that means for someone's body and particularly what it means if it happens to a friend or to you there are thankfully newer vaccines coming you want to know why it's blowing up it's right here this is matt ford i tested positive for covid this weekend despite being vaxxed and recently boosted Get tested if you're feeling sick. Think about all the things that we just walked through that this spike is doing to your body and tell me you think he's got monkeypox or just some kind of autoimmune disease. Or, you know, maybe he does have monkeypox and it's a latent virus that has taken hold because his immune system has been decimated by that booster shot. The more you take, the more cases, hospitalizations, and death. Remember? ...out currently to prevent it. Um, I think it's using mRNA technology. I'm not really sure. Nope. But I know that it's much better than the smallpox vaccine that we do have. And they're currently starting to offer them in larger cities, but supply is really low right now. So I'm advocating, telling everyone, if you can get that vaccine, go get it. In the mm -hmm. meantime, I'm urging you to please be careful, be safe, be cautious of prolonged skin-to-skin -skin contact with someone uh -huh. who might have it. Uh, not to add to any stigma whatsoever, no shame in this game. These people are absolutely clueless of what's been done to them. And you can't tell them because they, they just, they can't hear it. They can't conceive that they've been lied to and poisoned. And this is a result of the COVID shots. It's too much for them to face. So they go on and there's another, there was a crypto trader 
same thing. He's, uh, he's, you know, quadruple vaxxed or something boosted, boosted, I think twice he said, or maybe he's boosted and then he's on his fourth time getting COVID. And this time it's really bad guys. This sucks. Take this seriously. Mask up. <laughs> like they just don't realize what's happened. What's going on to them. The doctors aren't telling them they're being gaslighted. The whole thing is a big joke. A sad, sad joke. Okay. Let me back. Here's one. This came out of the Pfizer documents. There was somebody in the trial that died two days after the shot, but don't worry. They didn't request an autopsy to figure out what happened. Pfizer just said, oh, don't, it's an unrelated death. Definitely not part of anything the vaccine did, we're sure. And Dr. Flynn is pointing out, cardiologists, you have an ethical responsibility to publicly report marked demographic shifts or case surges in cardiac uh, pathology when a new therapeutic has been mass distributed under EUA. Did you know that? I only know of two drugs uh, of two thus far doing so two doctors and that's McCullough, Peter McCullough and Kimberly Milhoen. I don't know her. Okay. This was in Texas down the road from me. So sign somebody put out on their front porch, say no to forced vaccines. And this is in front of a state highway. So a lot of people see that. All right. I think that is it. Um, there's actually a couple more things. You know what? Let's listen to this right here. Um, this is Bruce Fenton. He's a, a free stater, one of the New Hampshire activists We've shown the video of him in the city council meeting challenging them that they threw him out of, right? We should have listened to what he's got to say because I think it's pretty profound here. And I think it um, does a great job of really giving a voice to what I think so many people are feeling and thinking about their governments. The reason I'm running is because it was such a complete and dismal failure. And, and Chuck, if you would have had a decent record on this, I wouldn't even be on this stage. First thing I did when I looked into this, I looked at your record and it was so pathetic. I said, I've got to run on this. I wish, I wish you would have done something for my kids who are sitting in this audience. My son right there, he had three brain surgeries and he was forced to wear a mask. I went to eight school board meetings. I got removed by police five times. You had this big, important position that you're so proud of and you did nothing. You did nothing. Your idea of doing something was passing a, a tax credit for charter schools. That's what you did. You were facing the biggest tyranny our country's faced when Fauci's having our nurses fired for not having Biden's injection and the woke poke. You didn't do anything other than tax credit. You sat there and you rubber stamped it. I'd like you to apologize to my family. And I'd like you to apologize to everybody else in New Hampshire. You I absolutely love it. This is how you talk to these people. And the, the whole you did nothing, I think that might catch on, folks. You failed us. You failed us when we needed you. We needed you, Chuck. I needed you. I needed you as a citizen of New Hampshire. I need you to stand for me and fight. Fight against these tyrants. And you didn't. You didn't do it. I don't want to be here and I don't want to go down to that swamp. You're making me do it. This is what happens when the leave me alone people get finally pissed off of politicians like you. That Remember Cliff High talking about the people that just want to be left alone to live their life? 
until they, you know, the government just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing and taking more and more until they just get fed up and they're just not willing to go along anymore. This is one of them. That's what happens. <laughs> and this is for New Hampshire Senate. 30 seconds to respond. Thank you. Rubber stamp. I think we should trust people. <laughs> oh, politics. I tell you. All right. Um, let me see. Okay, so there was this reported Australian bank collapses with thousands of customers told to withdraw funds immediately before it closes all accounts on Tuesday. So it's a bank that had to basically, it didn't collapse. It had to cease operations because they couldn't get funding to sustain operations. Um, so they closed down their business. They had all the money. Everything was accounted for. It's not a collapse. Just simply someone going out of business and giving returning funds to customers, right? But again, part of the sort of breakdown that were is underway. Uh, let's see. Okay, yeah, I want to stop there. And there is. I want to point to this right here because it kind of ties in with what we're doing. So this was uh, Hutchinson that testified at the July 6th um, fiasco where she said, yeah, Trump reached up to the steering wheel when they told him he couldn't go to the Capitol and said, this is MAGA country and went for the wheel to force the secret service to drive there. Of course, complete total lie. But what the sign that, this meme as her holding up says, I am a distraction because we murdered the Sergeant at arms who said January 6th was an inside job. What happened? The guy was leaving his apartment. Somebody just walked up to him and shot him completely unrelated to any of this that's going on. Definitely. Yeah. Cause what was he talking about? The people that were let in the back way, the stand down orders, all of it. They will murder people and do shit like this to distract you, to push their agenda forward. That is who these people are. We have to recognize that. Or it's going to be a pretty dark place for humanity to live in, right? I think people are starting to. There's definitely... This is uh, the CEO of Pfizer, Albert Borla, getting a nice warm welcome in Italy. Shouting criminal. And I uh, wonder if any of those saw my video. <laughs> okay, I believe that's it. So, um, you know, we can talk. If y'all have questions or something, you want to come in and, and ask something, you're welcome to do that on Spaces or in the chat um, I guess we could go over to there and I haven't even checked in with rumble tonight. Oh gosh, you guys are busy. Um, all right. So if you have questions, use some asterisks so that I will see it, whether you're on rumble or, um, D live, I think is the only other place that it feeds them through here. And, um, we'll talk about what, uh, beyond mystic. They just had this little, um, 
occasional show that they do with with Joe and Woo Dude and uh, Penny Kelly. And what they were implying, I think, is that there's going to be this false flag event might involve the White House. Penny Kelly was saying her guides or whatever were telling her this is a fascinating one. I'm going to go back and watch it. And I, you guys should too. Um, a really fascinating one that said uh, the construction at the White House. Remember the fountain thing was uh, part of the plan. And that they were, sorry, they were um, doing something there that's going to become apparent. And Wu-Wu-Do was saying like next 24 to 48 hours, something big's going down. They, I think they think July 4th, false flag. And uh, remember that video I did where we saw the flashes and the windows go through when that construction was going on, like as if it was almost a cover for the operation where they, it appears like they cut the structural beams in the second floor of the White House with shape charges, and the birds flew away, and it wasn't a reflection from a streetcar, right, because it didn't hit the other windows. It was just in those specific windows because it was the flashes were coming from inside. And there's supposedly this big announcement, and cues popped back up, and... Uh, Cash Patel is talk is referencing Q and you know, I, I maybe, maybe we're going to see something here. I don't really know. Um, it could get very interesting, but I think reading between the lines, kind of what they're talking about is almost a false flag that demos the white house. Uh, and maybe even Trump is arrested and taken off the table to the real white house where, the real government's been operating. I, you know, it's getting into the whole Q stuff. Um, but it's interesting that they're all kind of coming together to this same picture of what's going on. And it's, it's very strange. Okay. Cryptic Aussie, man. Welcome. Hold on. Let me unmute you there. Sorry about that. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, Sam. How are you, mate? Doing great. Uh, good. I'm, I'm back on Twitter, as you can tell. They uh, they can't keep a good man down. So, yep, I'll get you a follow. Yeah. We'll see how long for, though. <laughs> You've been rather yeah, we'll, we'll naughty. I swear, a times. I, I swear it's like a, a delete account by association. <laughs> yeah. I saw that the second time. I didn't know. <laughs> hey, I, w- I, I wanted to um, – that, that guy from the Commonwealth Bank – you know, I, I bank with the Commonwealth Bank. Um, not that I keep any money in there. Well, very, very little money. Yeah. Uh, they've always had, well, not always, but definitely for the last, uh, I've got to say the last two years, uh-huh. because it used to be $10,000 max you could take out uh, without you know them doing an anal probe. Then, then they dropped it to 5000 And so now, you know, at 5000 you have to, um, you know, appease them in any which way that they desire. So 15 grand doesn't surprise me that he was, um, he was knocked back, which is, uh, yeah, it hasn't been long. It's interesting how he, he was flagged though, that they come up with some BS. Again, doesn't surprise me that they would come up with some BS saying, you know, we, we suspect a scam account or, or you're being scammed or whatever else. I mean, they're, they're really drawing at straws there, aren't they, to come up with, okay, what, what excuse do we have next, uh, so that the plebs aren't going to, aren't going to rebel? 
they're they're spying on behalf of the government sorry. is they're spying on behalf of the oh, government yeah. is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure, hundred percent. And I mean, they've got to be scared. I think you mentioned it on a show a while back, maybe last year, where like none of these banks, whether it be in Australia or America or Europe, uh, could sustain a bank run. Uh, at this stage, well, I think it's like three. They actually have three percent of cash mm-hmm. on hand of total funds that are in accounts. Yeah, makes sense. So, so that they would be screwed if if everyone just just decided, hey, I'm going to take my cash out. But uh, yeah, you know, there's been so many calls for that kind of pull your money from the banks, and they just never, they always fizzle out or never really amount to much. And I think the answer is pull your wealth out of the dollar out of out of fiat get it into uh and and really we have to start using cryptos it's one thing to hold them and wait for the price to go up but Mm -hmm. i think in the near term this year and next it's going to become more of a necessity because the old systems become so dysfunctional yeah true and maybe to to some extent you're like you know this um culling of the herd, uh, as some people have said, while it's terrible, you know, as George Carlin said, the um, the American society and other societies like Australia and Canada and Europe, again, have, um, have, have grown so fat, stupid and lazy that you can't motivate them to do any of these bank runs. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, you were saying and others have said that the people that are dying off are the... Um, uh, the what it called the liberal leaning will say mm-hmm. uh, the ones that have got their heads up their ass that won't that won't move uh, to do something like that. So the ones that are going to be left left, which are going to be us crazies, we are the ones that will. Yeah, uh, we will do that. We will go. Okay, let's go down in mass and and take our money out. But while we have eighty percent of the population that are just happy to sit down and watch Netflix all day and night and feed on nacho chips and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not it's not going to happen at the moment. Yeah. So there are some some unfortunate pluses, I mean that um, un- unnecessary evil. I, I think it's got to reach a breaking point. And you know, that was one mm, of the yes. things this other show was kind of implying was on the way that we're about to hit another major leg down. So like this week on the car, the the battery died, and then the alternator died. So I in, spent five hundred bucks on that, and then I had to drive out to the farm uh, to pick it up. And I had that five gallons of gas that was from the hurricanes in Louisiana. That was two dollar gas, and I poured that thing in the gas tank. Oh well, made it back to a <laughs> station that was four dollars and twenty cents, and it felt like such a um, such a relief right from the the almost five dollar gas that we had it's so it's kind of peaked and started going back down but i think what they're saying is with this false flag that's coming and this is woo woo dude he's the one that's been warning about gas prices going up is that we're gonna see you know maybe the ten dollar gas in the next wave up and then it's like panic holy shit i could barely afford five dollar gas how does this ten dollar gas even work like it's so expensive to go anywhere uh, and that's going to drive it, it, more inflation and every all the other problems that it tows along with it. Go ahead. And, and isn't it, it's kind of like a little sneaky way of uh, limiting movement. Like we had to go down to um, Brisbane from where I live, which is a few hours away. This mm-hmm. is you know, a couple of weeks back. And I was thinking, damn, you know, uh, 
you know, fortunately I can, I can afford to you know, yeah. fill the tank up, but I'm getting, I'm having to double the price to go down uh, to a major city from yeah. where I am. Yeah. And if it gets any higher, there are people who are just going to say, no, no, fuck it, I, I can't, I can't afford to drive there anymore. So now they're in some way, you know, how they, you know, you talk about the vaccine passports not crossing borders. There's no way someone's going to go from, say, Sydney to Melbourne because it, Almost be cheaper to fly. It'd be cheaper to buy the plane and fly it than fill your tank up. Yeah, you know because they're ramping the prices up. So is it just their way of, you know, they're getting two for one? Yeah, inflation is, is going to be crippling people, and we're taking money from them without them realizing. But now we're also limiting their movement because they can't I, go anywhere because it, it's costing too much. Not only can they not go anywhere, but there's so many of them who uh, just have been wiped out financially, have lost their homes, have lost their jobs, can't get those back. Uh, they have really ratcheted down economic activity and created all this disruption. And then you look at this thing as a potential bioweapon depopulation event. And I think all of this is really connected here. And um, yeah, it, it's, uh, I, I kind of panicked a little bit when I've, went through all of this stuff this week and really started to comprehend what Walter was saying and Jessica and some of the others. I wrote Jicky and I'm like, this is like what if, if Walter's correct with what he's saying, this affects everybody. And if it's just going to cascade over time, anybody who's infected is going to have a shortened lifespan. You know, could this end up killing off a lot of humanity or am I being too pessimistic? And he wrote back, you're being too pessimistic. Uh, you know, I've got pathologists kind of looking for things and it's not there. So, you know, I don't think it's something to, it's the end of the world as we know it kind of thing yet and shout that at the, from the rooftops, but it's, it's very troubling still. Yeah. Well, you know, because your eyes are so close to it because you're researching for the show, it, it would be uh, somewhat easy to get, I'm not saying you, you get overwhelmed by it, but anyone would get overwhelmed by looking at everything. You just listen to your show and you go away thinking, holy crap, you know, yeah. I can build a bunker and I got to get 10 years you know, worth of food supplies. And you know what I mean? So yeah. you're looking at it over a whole week. Man, you got to smoke some weed so you can relax, you know, more often than you probably are. But <laughs> what I wanted to chat about was, <laughs> and share it around too. Well, so an interesting thing that you were talking about and you, you touched on in the show tonight was, you know, we had these airline, you've got airline pilots mm -hmm. that are going out with the, uh, the, the syringe and the jab, getting sick, um, the planes not being able to fly. Uh, inevitable, we're going to see more and more uh, um, incidents. Uh, then you've got the host of other captains that are running ships and, and captains of um, uh, economy where we talk about, you talk about crypto and the finance industry. I wonder how many of these leverage positions were done under um, uh, what do you call it, the effects of not having brain cells uh, working properly. Yeah. And and then I've noted, because it's, you know, I'm back into my old industry, which is uh, building, uh, that we've had 15 in the last uh, in the last couple of three months, we've had fifteen fairly good sized builders, five major builders that have thousands of homes on the books uh, go under here in Australia. Then you've got yeah. you know another ten builders that are probably building between two and three hundred homes a year, which is still for a builder. Man, I build five homes a year, and that works my ass off. So yeah, that's a lot. to two or three hundred. But then you look at you know what happens to these people. So Metricom, who are probably one of the bigger builders here in Australia, they would be building 
you know, maximum you're allowed to build is 5,000 homes a year as a builder, and then you've got to start up another company, uh, have a director as a builder on that company, then you can rack up another 5,000. But even if, say, they had 5,000 max on their books, these are people, a good 90% of them, which will be their bread and butter, will be first home-owned home buyers. Mm-hmm. So they've gone out mortgaged, you know, to the hilt, their money they've they've bought the land already but they owe money on the land okay so they still are paying off the land then metricon said no well i can't build your home anymore sorry and this goes for any builder i'm thinking more so of the smaller builders they're saying look i can't build your home anymore these people are stuck with land that's got no house they've probably moved back in with the parents or they're Mm -hmm. renting and trying to pay off a mortgage we're going to see a fairly substantial collapse in that in that market, and then you talk about all these smaller builders that got committed, say, a year and a year and a half ago. They committed to a contract that was going to say three hundred and fifty thousand in material. Now, as you've mentioned before, that material has gone up now twenty five percent, but yet they're locked into a contract where they can't afford to build that home anymore, and it's more economical for them just to go well. Let's go bankrupt. Let's go belly up. And, mm-hmm. and so I think the housing market and other markets, other markets that are in the same boat where people are having to borrow money to, um, to purchase something, substantial money, they're going to feel the pinch over the next six months. Because that money comes at a much greater cost than it did a few months back. Oh, yeah. And I, and I think we're, yes. that's another thing that we're heading into and that's definitely another factor here is as they as the US ratchets up the interest rate the the loan market is responding like in multiples uh you know they're not m- mirroring the rate that the fed's using they're using much higher ones and it's getting much more expensive to borrow money which is a further drag on the system and then all that ex- inflation gets exported to these other countries that demand dollars for the strength because of the uh the price inflation that's happening there so it just it cascades until it uh crumbles and and collapses and i think that's exactly this is all part of this plan to really collapse the economy have everyone poor and destitute as best they can this is why in the u.s i don't think they want xrp holders they've made it so hard to to buy XRP because that's a piece of the future mm. financial system that they want to usher in. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's going to be tough over the next few years. And, and, and you know, oh. that, that whole de-globalization thing that's happening, I think that is so bang on because the, these, the complexity, the level of complexity that we have cannot be maintained. I've talked about that in the sense of, we have this population spread because of the number of people, right? And if you, you know, lose 10% or 40% or 60% of those people, you have this big footprint that can no longer support. And so everything's got to be reorganized into smaller collectives. And it's, it's going to be a, uh, I think a tough, tough, uh, next couple of years for us. For sure. What's your view on, I've got a friend down in Melbourne and all of his friends, they're all um, double, triple, quadruple, you know, 10 vaccines, whatever they can take, they get, except for him. He he hasn't. And he's like, he's like, sorry, you know, like they're walking around like nothing's happened. And I'm like, well, you know, according to what what I understand and people like you and and Jinky, like, man, 
think is a weapon. And they're like, I, I don't get how, I'm trying to explain to my friend that for some people, like you were just saying before, how it, it's, it's growing inside them. And I'm just wondering at different people with different metabolisms, is it growing at different rates? Or are some people, they just don't, um, aren't affected by it. Like I've got, I've got an ex that unfortunately she's been taking three jabs and I'm like, oh man, she's now she's contacting me. She's smoking hot, but oh, <laughs> like I don't want to go near it. Sam, the doctor has told me don't stick your thing in anything that's been jabbed because yeah, you might catch don't it. Do it. It's like, I've been telling you all that for over <sighs> a year when I got off all the dating sites. I didn't want to do it, but you know, it's a safe, responsible thing to do. And I, I think that's turned out I, to be absolutely correct with everything that we're seeing. Sex via wetsuit doesn't work for me. So I'm like, <laughs> geez, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to have to hang up on her next time. Devastating, devastating. But anyway, so, so is it a situation where people, people's metabolism just aren't, they're working at different rates. So someone who might, Drop dead tomorrow, which we had. We had another footballer on the weekend, old timer, but still, they found mm-hmm. him uh, unresponsive in his car, yeah. and um, uh, they don't know what happened. And yeah, of course, they don't know what happened, um, but uh, definitely strange. So, just people, it's growing at different rates depending yeah. on on people's metabolism, size, what they eat, a, a, a okay, variety a of few, factors. A, or let me make a few points. Some, yeah, I know where you're going. Yeah. Um, so, like. My, uh, the mother of my child, ex-wife, she's definitely in that category. She's boosted. Her husband's boosted. They're like, we're fine. All our friends, all their friends and family took the shot. Some of them are in health care. They're like, all of them are fine. It's fine. So a few things I would point out. Number one, the, the, um, how bad is my batch websites out there that look at the lots and compare the adverse reactions and VARES show that 5% of the lots are really bad compared to everything else. Um, number two, there's all kinds of chain of custody issues with the way these things were distributed. If they get out of the uh, temperature range, then they can uh, degrade over time. So who's to say everybody got the same active dose versus the same um, volume of product. Um, I, I think there's also all different kinds of sort of presentations. Of course, then you've got people who get it uh, intervascularly rather than intermuscular. They, they end up hitting a vein and it goes into the bloodstream. These are the people that like taste metal in their mouth right away and they much more likely to have adverse reactions. And there's a lot of reports from people like that that you know, like they, they felt something right away because it distributed through their bloodstream and didn't hit the muscle. Um, so you've got these variations in there and then the, you know, the, the body, the immune system is so freaking complex. Um, uh, my ex-wife had her immune panel done, which is one of the tests that we've covered, you know, with, um, Oh, I'm forgetting his name. The doctor that runs the health center, um, she did that same blood panel and all of her counts were good except for one, which is a related to a vitamin deficiency, but she's also, she eats organic, she takes, uh, supplements and so forth. So like her vitamin D levels should, should have been in place all, you know, the whole time. I think, you know, diet, gut biome, there's more, it's more than just 
um, did you get the shot or not? It's a question of what kind of shape is your immune system in and how resilient are you at fighting these? Um, and, and that might, we might find just like we found, you know, early on back in 2020, I was looking at the early vaccine injury reports and pictures of these people. And I'm noticing, man, there's bodybuilders, there's a swimmer, there's another, there's a fitness model, all these guys, there's a cyclist, all these guys are super healthy and they're experiencing these very similar, uh, exhaustion symptoms, heart attacks, that sort of thing. Uh, there was the cop that, uh, died I've got all those, but I think there's going to be lifestyles, um, that sort of certain lifestyles that guide the development and presentation of disease in individuals. And we just maybe don't know that yet. Uh, I, I don't know mm-hmm. what else, you know, might be acting on the immune system to sort of, uh, cause these different, I mean, cause there's just so many, I mean, there's people having virus, uh, presentations. There's people having cancer presentations there's people having POTS. There's people having cardiovascular issues. I mean, it's just across the board. There's people that look like they age 10, 20 years. There's people that have more of the prion stuff going on in their brain because they're getting more aggressive and short-tempered or forgetful, and they have the brain fog. So how it possess, how it progresses could be, I think, would have a lot to do with a person's um, physiology or biology, whatever the right word for it is, if that makes sense. It's yeah. not, not an easy answer. Yeah I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I do. A friend of mine that's living over in the Philippines, uh, his his um, sister got her two kids, seven and seven and five, vaccinated. Oof. One of them, the five year old, is in hospital with um, uh, a racing heart, and the seven year old has uh, pneumonia, lung, real bad lung problems, terrible. And it's so it's heartbreaking. And they just had it. And it gets on them so fast, yet you have these other ones that have had 10 shots and like they're walking around like, like sunshine's a rainbow. Yeah. Remember the guy that got like 60 something because he was filling out cards for other people. I'm like, how is this guy even alive? But yet here he is. So it's crazy. Like his man in the world. Go, go buy a lotto ticket with him because you'd win straight away. Like I said, he should be dead. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to pass um, that information I'm about the building industry. I can really see it collapsing along with a number of other industries that are going to fall over because people are going to be making terrible decisions or, or just dying one or the other. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And we we played, I, can't, I don't know if I have it or not, but we played a little video of the building industry. There were a couple major builders that were doing high rises that had failed and shuttered. And there was a homeowner that I think it was a hundred grand that they were needing to finish their house. And they're like, we don't know what to do. We can't get it from the bank. And who knows if that's even the end of it. Uh, It's yeah, that's the new reality. But I think at the same time, we've got this die off coming of all of these people that are getting sick from this thing and they're not going to need houses. So we have demand destruction that's going to further undermine the, the, um, housing market as well as the job market and it's just it's all it's the perfect storm it, it really is anything else cryptic well, especially here in australia well in australia just to go on a little bit more about that building the government here 
they back housing like you would not believe because they see it as part of our economy because, uh-huh. you know, it employs yeah. trade, it employs so many people. You have major uh, suppliers like Bunnings and, and Harvey Norman and all these other, you know, buy a new home, you've got to furnish it, so on and so on. So you get one industry that, that collapses and it's just a cascading of other industries. Uh, you know, you talk about it probably know uh, far better than me, but there must be trillions of dollars out there in the marketplace based on the fractional reserve system for banking. You know, yes. I mean, how much money they can borrow, what is it, nine times over what they have actually in reserve. And I think they abolish that completely now. So they can just, you know, right. whatever money, just I'll give it to you. And so there must be trillions the, of dollars out there. And the Fed's Not in back there backstopping all of these, the, these gambles because that's what they're doing. They're taking that money and putting it out to gamble. That's and then the, reserve, re, the reverse repo that's to cover the reserve requirements for the overnight window. And then they can go back to their gambling and that's trillions of dollars right now. It's, it's insanity. The system. Oh, well, good, mate. I'm going to go finish my bunker and get my two years worth of baked beans <laughs> and, um, and, and I'll leave you on the show, man. All right, dude. Have a good night. We don't have guns here. Oh, oh damn. Okay, yeah, mate. that's have right. It. Y'all gave those up. You <laughs> bunch of bitches. All right. Have a good night, sir. <laughs> Okay, let me read a few comments here. Uh, let me see. Have to listen to this clip. All right, I will open that in another window. Distribution of the lipid nanoparticle. Sri Lanka, suspended fuel cells, Martin's saying. Um, yeah, they, they basically, they ran out of money. The state ran out of money to buy oil. So there's no gasoline and this is the place where they were, remember, crushing the buses, burning the politician's house. You had the uh, the guy pushing, the, I think it was a police commissioner or, some, or a health official that they stripped to his underwear and were beating him as he walked down the street. This is about to get real for a lot of people. Let me see if we can find. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, you guys can't see it. <laughs> no. Hold on just a second. There you go. There's just this massive cars and motorcycles. It looks like it's trying to play. I don't know what it's doing. And they've got like a few police surrounded by thousands of motorists, mostly on their little mopeds. Trying to get, this must be the one place where the gas is available. Doesn't look too good, folks. Uh, Reiner Fullermach, Vaxlot numbers connection, yep. So there's, um, how bad is my batch as well? How bad is my batch.com? I think that you can enter your lot number and see if you're in that 5%. It's causing 80% of the uh, the deaths reported in Germany, or I think it's 100%. So there's a very small batch, number of batches that are creating a lot of adverse reactions. And I think they might have even had to scramble and push saline out the door, especially early on, uh, because they wanted to minimize some of these adverse reactions. If, you know, it's an evil cabal plan, right? Uh, electricity rate goes up six X in Germany. Wow. Yeah. It's, that's the other crunch that's happening. It's energy prices across the board. Uh, so CERN, what they're doing is 
This is the particle accelerator. They're going to run it at the highest level they ever have. I think tomorrow, this might be part of what's happening. This is, this is something interesting that um, they were talking about on Beyond Mystic was that that might be bringing extra dimensional beings, you know, some, some entities from another dimension into ours. They're running it, I think it was like 17 million uh, trillion electron volts, TEVs is what they're called, which is a really high energy and it's not one crash. It's, they're constantly feeding protons or electrons, whatever it is, into the accelerator, spinning them up and then constantly smashing them together and photographing it. That's the official story. Who knows what else is going on there and what kind of uh, vortex or who knows what that could be creating. Ties in with the John Titter and his time machine that he showed up with. Remember that whole story? Rather fascinating. So there's, uh, I mean... I think it's going to be a real interesting month. We'll see. We'll see what happens here. Little pause, man. What's happening? Hey, Sam. How you doing? Doing great, sir. What's on your mind? All right. I was just going to touch a little bit on what Cryptic Aussie was saying with uh, regarding why we're not seeing a lot of that sort of manifesting in public, these sorts of vaccine injuries. Okay. Um, in my own... In my own personal family, we've got five now. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mum was first with just uh, pretty pretty minor nerve damage in one arm, but it came on straight after the vaccine. And there's a few other things, but we got on the nice and flush quickly, and she's kind right. of kind of come right. Um, the other ones are a lot less minor, but they certainly wouldn't talk about them to anybody else but me because people just cover this up. They're embarrassed by it, right. and they don't believe people will believe them. They'll put them in the in our box. They'll think they're conspiracy theorists like us right. if they even acknowledge what it is. So whether it's my father-in-law with severe headache, headaches and really bad brain fog or um, my, my, my wife's half-sister with the myocarditis who they're just sort of playing that down as well. But my sister, um, who I'm very close to, who's recently moved to Queensland, um, called me the other night really upset because she's got everything, unfortunately. She's got the full mm-hmm. autoimmune disease where she's got the shingles, extreme nerve damage, really poor function in her hands. She just bought some, some chickens for her property. She says she can barely pick the eggs up. Um, oh. But she called really upset. Yeah, she called really upset. She's going on 50 now. Um, but I had to let her just talk it out because... I had told her many times before she got the shot, not please don't get the shot and here are the reasons why, but she was very adamant regarding, um, you know, how, I've got a mortgage, how do I keep my house if I can't do my job, my job's mandating it and, yeah. and all of that. And I'm just like, nah, the markets, are, the crypto markets are really good then. I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll pay. I'll, I'll take care of you. I'll pay your mortgage. Just give it some more time. Mm-hmm. Um, don't think I could financially say that right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, right. So, um, so I had to let her go through the process while she was talking to me because she still wasn't admitting the vaccine straight away. She was saying, "I've done all these tests. It's going to take me eight months to get in with an immunologist." And I had to let her finally come out and say, "I think it's a bloody shot. 
it came on straight after my third booster. And then I let her run through all the symptoms. But even after doing that, and she goes, I can't tell mum. I'm like, well, you've got to tell mum. She's in Queensland as well, and she's got all the, she's got like a kg of niacin. You've got to, you've got to tell mum because you need to get it off her because it's the only thing I can recommend. Yeah. And don't think that the people, the people who did this to you are going to need any help at all. Stop, yeah, or any of the doctors, they're all in on it. Like, they, they've been compromised. Yeah. Yeah, she, I think she spent close to 15 grand already just yeah. running tests and constantly, yeah. I'm like, stop giving them your money. They did this to you. They will not admit it or help you. You've got to tell mum and get the niacin. Yeah. And even with her severe, she's now the extreme case, she still doesn't let on to anybody around her that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hearing the same except, thing. Except like, me and mum. Even among, you know, I have a friend that's got an elderly mom and like a lot of her friends, she's they're finding out, are actually vaccine injured. They just haven't been talking about it because they're ashamed. They don't want to admit it and they don't want to acknowledge what's going on with them. And like this is as much of the problem as the doctors denying it as well. We have got to start figuring out treatments for these people that work. And um, I don't know if you're it's like with with what it sounds like is going on with her. Uh, Dimitri's protocol is crazy as he sounds. I think it's helping helping a lot of people with a lot of different symptoms, which is, uh, you know, adds a couple things to the niacin, which is the um, R-ALA, the R-lipoic acid, as well as the, I think it was the L-methylione or something. Um, those three in combination along with some other basic supplements seem to really kind of help halt this process. And like that, I know also yeah. Dr. Mary Bowden's had some success treating people with skin rashes. Um, after the shot, uh, there was a young kid and she gave him a treatment of ivermectin and that helped clear it up. So, I, you know, I would almost say throw the kitchen sink at it and, um, hope for the best and then you know figure out what works but yeah the, the doctors so everything the you just system, said, I've, not going to help uh, I, and i've given her that information but i mean mm-hmm. you can lead a horse to water she has to the first step was acknowledging it with my yeah. father-in-law um we have to be away from the rest of the family when we talk about it he's very open about talking about it with me regarding what's happening with his brain fog but he would never say any of this in front of his wife because she wouldn't accept it. She'd worry, yeah. Oh, so, okay. which is also, Get defensive. She, she wouldn't believe it. She would be totally like, oh, this is rubbish, what you're talking about. So just to keep appease the rest of the family and to allow him to talk, I basically, you know, we'll go out in the garden and throw a ball or something or have a chat while we're working mechanically on a vehicle, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about it then, um, and only at a level he can handle. Now, another topic I wanted to touch on, which is waking the normies up over here, is during COVID, we intentionally destroyed all the small businesses regarding food stores, hardware stores, put them all out of business and pushed everyone into our big chains. The biggest being uh, Woolworths for Food, Bunnings is our hardware retailer, and we've also got Kmart, which basically deals with everything under the sun. And they've all just implemented facial recognition systems across Mm. the board, the big ones. So... And it's sort of something people are starting to be aware of and look at and go, hold on, does that mean they know what I'm buying? And I'm like, totally. You're at a self-serve cash out, bringing these things through a till, and you've got a camera above you recognizing Mm -hmm. your face as you're doing it. 
I'm like, that is that is the beginning of your this dystopian lack of anonymity happening right now in front of you, and you're just accepting it. All you can do is shop somewhere else. That is all you can do. Um, have they done anything like that anywhere else apart from China? Um, well, I mean, like even the Walmarts here, same kind of system. There, they have cameras overhead, and you know, cameras on the checkout device, the self checkout device. And I've noticed it's watching what you're moving. And there's times where I've done something wrong, but like it just stops me because it thinks it's detected uh, theft or an anomaly or something. And it will call the person, the cat, the worker that's over the self-checkout department over to come over and like it plays back the footage. And of course they're doing facial recognition. There was the whole thing with Stripe where they wanted my biometric data. They claim they're going to delete it. I don't know That's if right. I believe them. Um, it's just the whole, you know, it goes back to like this thing right here. They have become so corrupted at this point that they have to have all these kinds of controls to keep pushing their agenda because their narrative is failing so badly that they have no other option but to keep ramping it up. And I think, you know, we get into some kind of serious die-off, they're going to mislabel that whatever they need to push another lockdown pandemic. And that's why I was pointing out them just roll it backing off of the mask mandate and, and the lockdowns and so forth is not a victory because they've just basically set precedent for their ability to do that again. And absolutely, that's what they're going to do uh, when this, you know, when we have either like Gertz prediction where COVID mutates to get around the um, virulence and starts infecting people in new places that are harder to treat and becoming more deadly to them or just the, the amyloidosis keeps gets to a breaking point where it starts to you know really ramp up and become even more noticeable than it is today i, I mean we just went through a whole bunch of people notable people that died in the last week and we're at the one to two today per day right now i think it's going to be three to five before too long here at some point it it breaks yeah. so i think that's what we're heading into and of course this whole thing of a potential false flag happening seems entirely yeah. uh, plausible to me as the distraction. And I think this whole Supreme Court thing with, oh, they're coming for our gay marriage, they're coming for our gay rights, they're coming for our abortions, they're coming for all of these things. I think that was timed to uh, sort of prime the pump, but it's really failed in, in America. The best they did was some shoving matches with police and, and a few people uh, got arrested and like, that was it. They, they are losing control. They are, they've lost the trust of the masses and uh, I think they're getting desperate and that seems very plausible. Like they're, they're a caged animal, a cornered animal at this point, no telling how they're going to lash out. It's, um, Australia has never been so tethered to the American media or news as it is right now. Yeah. We don't have any issues here now. All we have is America's issues, whatever they're pushing to the front of the agenda. Yeah. And it just Ukraine. dominates every part pushing, of conversation. Are they pushing Ukraine real hard down so, there? 
We're almost finished with Ukraine now. We've <laughs> moved on to the abortion thing. Oh, all right. Way all right to it. But it, we, we are in a, we are in a hundred percent lockstep with whatever that agenda is being pushed. It mm. comes directly through to us. Yeah. We don't get anything internally for what we're doing. We only have people flying whatever flag needs to be represented. It's never been like so. We've never been that interested in the politics over there until COVID happened, and now they've really done an amazing job of pulling everybody into that flock of caring about whatever that American agenda is. is. Yeah, and complete this the thing, the social media thing. Now, just before I I jump off, I thought we were really good down here regarding food security Uh until, and I don't watch the news at all. Um, It keeps my brain sane by not doing that. Um, but I did happen to catch that we have now got a problem with our bees. So it's now illegal to open your bees and let them out in New South Wales because there's some mice and they don't want it to spread. Which is usually like, like, uh, you know, like the, the mites that are on bees, I've, I've been a beekeeper, um, is usually because you've got some other kind of management problem. And if you're managing your hive, right, they, the, the, the mites are always a problem. But uh, what happens a lot of times is there's some kind of toxin or poison in the environment that affects the bees and kills them. But mites are to blame because, well, the bees are sick and they can't defend themselves against the mites kind of thing. Yeah. I just, I was like, I want to see it for my, I want to see these mites for myself. I'm so beyond believing what they say right now. It's like, don't take the bees away. We need the bees. Is this you, part of it? So the way you cure the mites is you put down a barrier between uh, the the around the hive and the ground because they they drop and try and drop to the ground, and if they don't hit dirt, then they won't reproduce. So that breaks the cycle. Uh, the more uh, you know, good one. Huh? All right, mate. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks for thanks for doing what you do, and just keep doing it, buddy. All right, All sir. Right. Have a great night. Okay, we've got one more here, Harry. Hold on, let me, I need to get you in here real quick. And, all right. Harry? Yo, yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome. What's on your mind tonight? Not much, dude. There's definitely a dark cloud looming over his hand. <laughs> and it's, I feel like it's slowly becoming known and more apparent. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a mass awakening happening, which in my mind plays into this whole false flag narrative that now's the time if they're going to do something because they're losing control. What do you think was going on with the, the midterms? You're going to be discussing for that, but I'm kind of curious what the ploy is going to be before the midterms because it seems like they're pulling everything out of their ass that they could possibly think of right now. Yeah. And Joe Biden is a gaffling buffoon. <laughs> and even CNN is talking about that, which is hilarious to me. CNN is now saying, oh, dude, I can't even be it. It's hilarious. Yeah, you know, uh, I think part of this whole Supreme Court drama that they hoped would flare up was also sort of their plan to fix the midterm elections, get everybody, create this flashpoint issue, get everybody emotional and angry and motivated activated to come out and you know save the democratic party and and come out and vote and so forth and it's just really fizzled out on them 
the only tool they have is to rerun the fraud, which they know they're getting caught with now. And is going to be, they're going to be caught red handed if they try and do that again, because 2000 mules trained everybody to know what to look for. Oh, you see somebody, you know, I, I pity the fool in the midterms that goes up and tries to stuff 20, um, ballots in a, in a ballot drop box somewhere. Everybody there that's watching now is going to know, Oh, what the fuck? That's a mule. And they're going to get harassed and, and that's not going to fly. So, but again, what choice do they have really? Right. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to be smart with what he, you know, that, that whole documentary, if they're going to say no more phones guys or something like that, just to like, it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous. They'll try and yeah. adapt, but well, like at the end of the day, I think it's going to blow up in their face. Whatever they try and do, they're going to get caught again. Um, and that's, you know, depending on what's coming between now and then, we're in such a, I think, a potentially, we're sitting on a powder keg with so many yeah. things happening. Who knows by then? It seems, it seems like the crypto space in the economy the monkeypox and the election all seem to be going in the same direction at the same time mm-hmm. with the food crisis as well. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. right in Quaddy's place. Cause this is the official, oh, fourth day of the United States recession, 2020 officially today, the fourth day, two quarters of negative growth. Um, and this is the third quarter following two quarters of negative growth. And no mm-hmm. one's talking about that. Recession. Yeah. Or depression. Officially by definition. Yeah. Yep. They know they'll paper over, they'll just gloss right over it as best they can. I mean, we were in this supposed great recession for years and years and they would come out and, oh, we've got green shoots. I remember that was like 2009 or 10 uh, talking point. And then that failed. Remember when they told us inflation was going to be transitory and we'd be through this? Well, I mean, they've just been wrong about everything. And, um, I, I think they're losing tremendous credibility here. And at some point it's, it's got to reach its breaking point. And that's where people finally get off their ass and actually start doing something. And I, we're not there in the U S we're not there in places like Australia. And I think because of the militarization of the police and so forth, the bar for that to happen has been raised, uh, I think very, very high because of the stakes you, involved, you know and so it's gonna have to get bad before uh people are willing to stand up and say enough no more i can't do this anymore i don't care what you do to me i can't survive under your system anymore especially with the the vaccine and stuff as well have you seen the yeah. um fda emails that came out that they knew about the johnson johnson blood clotting issue um, i think like two weeks before it sounds familiar, but is it the recent dump for this month that you're referencing or is it something old? Oh, no, no. This is like, um, so okay. I think I've touched you before, like Facts Matter with that big time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. With Roman. He, um, he had an episode, I think it was two days ago. They did a FOIA request and they have like the thread yeah, of Rishelvinsky, yeah. but it's all redacted, which is crazy. So um, I feel like all that is also culminating at the same time. Like, this, just everything at once. The, yeah. I mean, the, the, we're, we're, we've reached, I think, peak corruption. 
<laughs> which is a good thing, but so. also I, a very bad thing because of the the fallout of all that corruption and all that money that's been laundered and, and extracted. Our wealth has been stolen and uh, divided up amongst criminals. And that comes with consequences, real world consequences for a lot of people. And we're paying the price now for all this malfeasance. I think it's it's pretty obvious for the person that can look into it themselves. What, what I'm pretty sure I know your stance. What is, what is your opinion on the whole Ukraine-Russia thing? Because I feel like Russia in this at this point is not the bad guy at all. It right. seems like they've been, yeah, they've been saying the same thing and has had a certain stance for for years and if not decades at this point. And the United States, along with you know NATO, and just the corruption has been pushing forward, trying to seems like Russia, they want Russia for whatever reason. They want to get rid of Putin and do what they've done right. over and over again. You know, we covered um, the Russian ambassador speaking, I believe it was at the UN, talking about the biolabs, talking about the drones with sprayers, talking about how they infected the money and with uh, these things that were supposed to make a bunch of kids sick but didn't work talking about the patients, yeah. patients from the mental institution that they were doing medical experiments on. Uh, that, I think, is the very clear reason that Russia invaded Ukraine. Now, there's some, of course, they, they're going to benefit, right? Get the access to the pipeline. But you also have people who are just being shelled and, and uh, mass murdered by the Ukrainian government. Shelling their own people, and you know they're being lauded as heroes. So it's such a complex thing. Um, Are are you know innocents getting killed? Yes, that happens in war. Russia's doing it, but of course they're also being blamed for doing it when they're not doing it. Or like the the Ukrainian military is parking is operating out of a mall or something where people are, and they bomb the mall because it's now a military target and. And then they hold that up as war crimes. So it's hard to know what's going on. But I think, yeah, Russia is not necessarily the bad guy in this situation. Not at all. I've seen, I saw a recent article saying that they've been dropping phosphorus bombs, Russia, Mm -hmm. on, you know, civilians by phosphorus. And like, I thought, I just, it's it's such a ploy. Like you have like Nancy Pelosi, you have YouTube playing over there. Wow, all this crazy stuff went. Excuse me, what? <laughs> like, it's it's ridiculous at this point. You know, I, I appreciate you calling in. You mentioned Nancy Pelosi, and that was one of the things that they were talking about on uh, with Joe and so forth. Apparently, there was something like Woo Woo Dude was saying his guides told him that they were going after the Pelosi families first, the kids, then the husband, then her, and supposedly this news of whatever it is that's coming involves Pelosi. So there's maybe something that's about to happen to her. Of course, remember her, I don't know what the kids thing was that happened to the family, but the husband had that DWI. Maybe we're in some kind of bizarro world where they swapped him out with somebody and he's been taken down. And like, that's the kind of thing that's going on. That's the, um, the level of this operation that's underway. I mean, it would have to be something that magnificent for it to go on this long and have all these moving parts and so forth. But who knows, you know, maybe 
the world is that crazy of a place. So I don't know. We'll find out. Um, interesting times lie ahead, folks. I'm going to wrap it up there. I appreciate all you callers. Appreciate you all tuning in and listening. Um, oh, I'm getting a freaking website. If there's somebody that really knows WordPress and wants to help, and by help, I mean like do it, <laughs> please. <laughs> I could definitely use whatever help anybody wants to provide, but it's up. It's ready. I could give you a login detail, and I'm trying to build different pages and so forth and put all payment platforms, my video platforms, the podcast there. So everything's in one place to the lifeboats.com. Not there yet, but whatever it's, it's coming. So thanks everybody. Um, support the show if you can. Uh, Patreon's one way to do that. There's also subscribe star. There's uh, Odyssey. There's the Substack. And eventually I'll have Gab Pay set up and I'll get all that put up on the website eventually as well. Appreciate y'all listening and we'll catch y'all next broadcast. Good night, everybody. I got zero doubt with my man brain, you keep calling me insane uh, Every single day more XRP is what I obtain No more cash, no more cars, only QR codes uh, No more proof of work, we run validated nodes ooh, This is the life that I chose yeah. They look at the cons, I look at the pros I'm always bullish in the shows bullish. Now you wanna ask about XRP, I am not telling now you want some of my XRP? I am not selling, it's not for sale. Honestly, I just wish you will, cause I'm XRP for well. I'm XRP for life and that's forever, can't you tell? I just keep on buying, why they telling me to sell? The whole world gonna be shocked when XRP break out its shell. And that's when we prevail, I'm 